up you guys and welcome back to sad girl hours today we are joined by the amazing tim zipperstein or you can call him dad or sometimes he even goes by pico because why because i'm the guy yo (laughs) i love that i'm gonna get uh into introducing him a little bit more here in just a sec um but before i do that i just want to give some gratitude to all of you guys I keep getting such awesome feedback on the podcast and just a lot of really heartwarming messages. Um, This episode really will not be sad girl like at all, so I'm getting the sad girl stuff out of the way at the beginning. Um, But this morning, I went to Daily Rise. They are a local coffee shop here in Utah. I've been going there for like eight years. Like, they know my parents. They know me. Um, And the manager, I hadn't seen her in years, and she was there, and she's all what's new with you? Like, what's going on with you? And I'm like, well, I'm having a baby. I just lost my, lost. (laughs) I just launched my podcast. I just played my first show. And it's just, it's insane because a few years ago, like I would have never thought I would have been in this spot. And especially with the music stuff, um, Tim has been a huge blessing with that. Like, I'm going to interject here for a second. (laughs) Because if it wasn't for you working as hard as you do, you would not be in the position that you are to play shows, have a platform, and a fucking podcast, and coffee shop managers knowing your name. (laughs) So hats off to you for being a good person and not sucking. There's a lot of shitty people out there. There We swear on here? Oh, fuck yeah. Which is a good time to say, uh, again, I wasn't going to put it in every episode. But yeah, 18 and Up podcast, we swear like sailors on this bitch. Um, butthole. So yeah. Butthole. <laughs> when I asked him to come on, he was like, yeah, I'm going to say potty words. Yep, motherfucker. <laughs> um, but th- that was a really good example as to why I loved him because a lot of times I think me and Logan both, because he's helped us a lot, our friend Haley that goes by Neon Drip, which plugs like go check out Neon Drip, go check out A Werewolf, AWAR3, W-O-L-F, and Tim goes by Vertex, so you can find him at... Oh, God. At, oh, God. You can find him, you spell that V-E-R-T-E-K-Z. When this launches, I will be sure to put his, um, plug his socials, plug his SoundCloud. I'll do that for everybody. Um, cause yeah, if you're looking for out. good, like, Gregorian throat chants, that's where I'm at. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I just wanted to uh, let you guys know how grateful I am for all of all of the support and the awesome feedback. Introducing Tim, I <laughs> read, so read it with a straight face. I'm gonna try. People can't see me, so let let's do this. So I can see you. Introducing Vertex, DJ, producer, denim innovator. Sex move encyclopedia. Vertex is all of these things, and at the same time, he is none of them. No <laughs> words, after all, can capture the way he makes buttholes vibrate in unison on the dance floor. He is the great beige en- en- enigma. Fuck, I can't talk. Enigma of Salt Lake City, and it is 
only? Yeah, only spelled wrong. <laughs> I was like, what? And it is only when one witnesses his glory that they can understand the hype. From the West Coast to the East, Vertex has rocked DJ sets and ravaged the eardrums of innocent bystanders like a runway freight train made of nasty-ass bass wobbles. Festivals like Das Energy and Get Freaky have repeatedly faced the aftermath of his sonic savagery. His music, all self-released, has amassed an actual liberal cult that is beginning to grow at a pace concerning to officials. <laughs> Believe it or not, the supernatural phenomenon known as Vertex started life as a regular human being. He was born as Tim Zipperstein in Warner Robins, Georgia, and soon relocated to Salt Lake City, where he has effectively lived his entire life. By age 11, Zipperstein was already plotting ways to carry out a full sonic assault on the world. He discovered DJ Icy's 1998 album, Generate, immediately drawn to the mind-bending sounds of breakbeat. He started DJing under the name Timmy Tees in 2009, serving up syncopated wow i can't fucking read guys syncopated yeah we can get you esl classes is like a tax (laughs) write-off at this point shut up um i'm gonna say it like that syncopated rhythms uh, yes to unsuspecting candy ravers at local hot spots like club sound and the now defunct salt palace the timmy t's project also provided a platform for zipperstein to put out an impressive number of music releases he specializes in reclicks, a term he coined for breaks remixes of electro and dubstep singles, the most notable of which was a re-rub of Back Once Again by Zomboy that amassed thousands of plays in a single day. 2019 marked Zipperstein's metamorphosis into the fearsome force of nature known as Vertex. An incendiary? <laughs> How the fuck do you say that? Jesus fucking Christ. Don't even with me. Where are we at? The, I'm going to keep going. In, incendiary mix of nope. heavy dubstep. Nope. How do you say that? Incendiary. Wow. I think it's spelled wrong. Of heavy dubstep. <laughs> heavy dubstep sound design and trap music beat structures. Tracks like Hater Blockers and Bouto, which are two of my favorites. Yeah, because those are the only two that you've heard publicly. Motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> they offer a glimpse of the rave-wrecking, brain-hemorrhaging, ball-bag-rupturing bass that has cemented his reputation as a flagrantly fearsome force of musical nature. When the, w- rage thro- <laughs> when the rage flows through you and you find yourself gyrating into a frenzy against every uncomfortable body on the dance floor, that's Vertex. When the beats scramble your senses and you're reduced to a convulsing, with everyone around you staring in horror, that's Vertex. He's your wildest dreams, your worst nightmare, your GI flare-up, and every sensation in between. Those who listen to his music must be prepared for pregnancy at best and a painful death at worst. I just want to point out that you didn't get pregnant until <laughs> after we became friends. So, like, you're welcome. You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> God damn it, Tim. <laughs> With all that said, Vertex is also a great DJ for bar mitzvahs, quinceañeras, and children's birthday parties. Please note when preparing his writer that he is allergic to pineapple unless it is cooked. <laughs> so if you want to book Vertex, make sure that if you're going to give him pineapple, it is cooked. Please. Guys. I get canker sores and they hurt. <laughs> I just, I wanted to read that bio as much as I slaughtered some of it because it just perfectly <laughs> describes you as a person who you are like and if you're part of the rave scene you know tim you know dad yeah i mean i've been around for 
fuck. Like 10 years. No, longer. Or longer. So I started going to shows in 2008. Um, by 2009, I was delivering tickets to people, delivering flyers to smoke shops. I ran a promo team for a bit. Um, I was helping book artists back when a lot of the um, management and agencies were overseas. And I've always been kind of like a night owl. So Word. it's easy for me to like work with somebody at 3 a.m. when it's noon their time. Word. Yeah, he's he's been around for a long time, has a lot of experience in the business, and we kind of just connected over social media. I even asked you about this, like, one of the last times I saw you. I was like, how the fuck did you even, like, how? How did this happen? But You seemed nice online, and I was like, all right, cool. I fuck with this person. Yep, and he just kind of reached out, uh, was very supportive, but it wasn't until like this past year, maybe that we actually like really connected, started hanging out more. Um, and even though it's because of our hard work and what we've done, like he has really helped me and Logan and Haley as far as direction with music, as far as, um, getting us more exposure, like really helping us kind of break into the scene a little bit because when we probably would have been ready was when quarantine hit. Yeah. So we couldn't really do anything. So with everything kind of starting back up, um, which bad timing for me kind of because I got pregnant. <laughs> so <laughs> got a couple more months of shows of me. And You're then, welcome. Thanks, Tim. Thank you <laughs> Congrats so much. Congrats on your cream pie. <laughs> That is literally what he said after we told him, <laughs> literally. Um, so, yeah, so I kind of wanted you to come on, and we were just going to talk about the EDM scene because I think a lot of people who listen to this are part of the EDM scene, but a lot of them aren't, um, and a lot of them don't really understand the culture, the music, really. So from your knowledge... How did kind of EDM kind of progress? So, it all started with motherfucking disco. Disco. Yep, in the 70s. That was like the original dance music. Word. You had people in Chicago, in New York, pretty much anywhere there was people in the LGBTQ community or black people. That's where... They were the start, yeah. like, honestly. Yeah. Honestly, I... I can't remember the term. Haley brought it up to me, but God, and you guys can't see me, but uh, a lot of LGBTQ people, they do this certain dance. It's been around for a long time and you see it a lot in like oh, drag yeah. racing. Yeah. Like yeah. that, a lot of it started with that type of stuff, yep. like way back when. So really, um, yeah, that we, was like, that was like early to mid eighties. Yeah. Yeah. Back when, like, everybody was like, disco is the devil. <laughs> That's fucking... Which is so funny, because, I mean, like, you hear, like, artists now, and you see stuff like Sudden Death. There are people who actually think Sudden Death is, like, a, a cult leader, and is, like... Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's it's kind of ridiculous, but really, it we Which, owe... like, Danny's one of the sweetest dudes I've ever met. Sweetest, <laughs> most, from what I've heard from people who have met him, very shy, soft-spoken, yeah. cute little kiddo. Just, yeah, and that's how I've I've seen it with a lot of the really heavy hitting dubstep artists. They're usually he reminds me of like a sheep. That's I think that that's perfect. I don't know if it's just because I think he looks like a sheep, but <laughs> like he he just reminds me of a sheep. He's just very soft. He I agree I agree. You wouldn't expect it from his music and stuff. Um, but we really owe a lot to the LGBTQ 
community and the black community because they were really the pioneers for pushing electronic dance music into what it is now and keeping that momentum going. And you don't really see that as much now. Like you don't really see people giving credit to that anymore. Well, I think a lot of it too is a lot of people that are in the scene now have really only gotten here in the last, we'll say five years. years. Yeah. So like even me, you know, yeah. I haven't, um, I wasn't, because I know a lot of people that they were going to underground shows when they were like 12, like really young kids. If I would have gone to my first show when I wanted to, it would have been the infamous versus two that got busted out in kind of by Nephi area, I want to say. I feel like that's wrong, but that's kind (laughs) of like where the two sides of V2 joined forces and they're like, oh, we're V2 now because versus two. So what was it like, like, cause you, you wanted to DJ at such a young age. Yeah. You wanted to do, you wanted to produce at a very young age. So when you actually finally started getting into going to shows, what was that like compared to what it is now? So like in my bio, um, I actually pick or like found dance music on a chance happening. Tell, please <laughs> tell that story. Cause yeah. it's, it's pretty cool. So I was walking home one day. And I happened to find a CD on the ground that said Generate. And I was like, free CD, I'm keeping it. Put it in my CD player, and I had never fucking heard anything like this shit. It was DJ Icy's Generate, which came out in 98. And I found it in 2000, I think it was like mid-2002. So I would have been 11. Then I showed my mom, who was really into um, dance music. She's originally from England. Right. And then she was like, oh, you like this shit? And then she showed me fucking The Prodigy, The Chemical Brothers, Fat Boy Slim. And I was just like, oh, my God, this is incredible. I remember begging my parents that. for a pair of turntables when I was like 13. Really, though? So yeah. by the time I hit like 19 and was learning to DJ, I was like, huh, look at what I can do, guys. The <laughs> thing that you never let me do. Weird. Hmm. Weird. Wonder well, where I can well, be, well. What do you know? <laughs> I think it's amazing, though, that your mom was, like, somebody who was into that, though, and yeah. was able to kind of show you more of the culture because a lot of EDM did start overseas, too, before it oh, came yeah, that's, over here. Yeah, that's where, like, dubstep was mm-hmm. all based in, like, South London. Yep. yep. That's where you had, like, Mala and Koki and um, Casper, Rusko, Banga, Scream, all the, like... It's a lot of them over there. Fucking digital mystics. Yep. Which, like, shout out to Marianne Hobbs over at BBC, because I don't know if she was not involved, that dubstep would have progressed to the point that it is now. And that's a female. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yep. British lady. Like, I you can look that. up you can look up a picture. There's a picture of her, Mala, which, not to be confused with House Mala, it's Mala with one A. Word. <laughs> I'm glad that you... Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad that you clarified that, because I was thinking of that Mala. <laughs> but it's a bunch of, like... Tough-looking street dudes and then this tiny little white woman in the middle. (laughs) I fucking, I love that. I love that. So when you started going to shows, was it still kind of like an illegal thing? You had to be underground or was it kind of starting to... There were definitely a lot of like map point parties where you would go to a location where a dude was standing. He would hand you a piece of paper with a phone number on it and you would call the hotline and then that's when you would get directions. So you had to listen to it and write down the directions. See, kids don't know. I don't know. I never had to experience this. It was such a fucking hassle. And then you would end up driving like 30 minutes past Saltair. Yep. (laughs) Well, and because 
you had to actually like really want it to go out and do I feel like back then like you had to really give a fuck enough to go through all of that to even get to the show oh yeah absolutely there were like ticketed shows at Saltaire like my first show was Infected Mushroom in 2008 and that was like word on their Vicious Delicious tour which still to this day I don't know if I was just like overwhelmed and like just had a constant panic attack throughout the night but i've never been able to quite recreate that feeling that i had walking into my first show like that yep definitely (laughs) my first show which listening back to the other episodes of when i'm giving like years for things i'm definitely off (laughs) i my my concept of time sucks because i said that my first dos was 2016 it was actually 2017 um and i think logan and i actually met at the 2019 one and i said we met at the 2018 one but my very very first experience was get lucky i want to say that one was 2016 or 2017 because when i went to that one it was just something cool going on. It was the month of my birthday, and I was always intrigued by these shows. I'd never been, and so I was curious, and I went, and San Holo was there, and I didn't realize that I had seen him until years later when I actually got a couple years after I actually got into the scene and was like, holy fuck, this is one of my favorite artists, and he was at my first show, and the culture is just unlike anything I've ever experienced before. Um we definitely have a little bit of work to do out here in Utah, I think, but overall. Well, and I mean, <clears throat> with us being positioned like we are, like we're right in between Denver, Vegas, LA's like a four hour flight, um, yep. Seattle's like three hours because you're going back in a time zone. Yep. <clears throat> we're positioned really well for like tours and stuff, but getting people to come out and just kind of trust the promoter is really hard in Utah and that's something we've struggled with for a while I could understand that like there's this weird disconnect and like patrons don't seem to trust promoters unless we're putting on like a giant fucking festival well I almost wonder if it's the stigma of how Utah is as just a state do you think no not necessarily that because I know tons of artists that want to get out here but trying to like gauge interest is just hard because I've seen nights where it's like 150 people are stoked on this artist, and then they only do, like, 10 ticket sales at the door. Word. And then I've seen nights where there was, like, no fucking promotion go into it, and we cap out. Well, yeah, and it just, it can it can definitely be hit or miss. That's why I really enjoy what Black Void is doing with the FOMO yeah. stuff of fear of missing out, because you never know who the fuck is going to show up, and then you find out after, like, they had a quadruple back-to-back because they had a show going on the same night as Excision. And it was after hours. And so company, Dion Timmer, Jessica Autofred, I think, showed up. Or am I thinking of... No, no, it was Cleopatra. It was Cleopatra. Yes. Which, shout out to Alexis. I love you. She's awesome. I haven't got to meet her in person. But yeah, absolutely shout out to her. Shout out to Black Void just in general. Like, I really enjoy them. My fucking dudes. They, um, Tim introduced uh, all of us to those guys and... Um, that's definitely, those are the kind of shows where unless you know about it and you know of Black Void and you're following them, then you know there's stuff going on. But if you're not connected, you're just not going to know. They're one of the few people that can announce a show with 
four days before the show, and they still pack a venue. That shit gets when uh, Hydes just came out, and seeing pictures and videos from that show, it was fucking packed. Yeah. It was lit, and it they do different sweaty. venues. Yeah, they they change up the <laughs> venues. It's always down in Salt Lake, but they change up the venues, and um, they're just doing really cool work, especially with uh, putting on artists that are still growing. Like they bring out people from out of state that are still that, that are still known, but they're still kind of in that middle level of like trying to. Yeah, they're def- they pay attention like I do of Absolutely. like who's on the cusp of being very expensive. Word well. And I think um, in comparison, because Logan's from Arizona and I've got to experience some of their scene and I know a lot of the artists out there and just seeing the difference in culture, Black Void and Mutiny Collective as well. Shout out to Danny and Alex. Yeah, they're they're amazing human beings. I absolutely love Danny. Um, But those guys are really the only ones that super go out of their way to bring out up-and-coming artists i know if you kind of have an in with v2 or whatever then you can do your thing there whether it's at sky or uh opening up for bigger festivals but in comparison to arizona like their local artist scene is so supportive and so strong and there's so many women so many women and you just don't see that as much out here you're starting to because we've got salem she is amazing. Oh, Sam, I love you. I love her. I finally <laughs> got to meet her at a Black Void show. She is adorable, sweetest human, and she she's really fucking cool. Her music is dope. Um, Cleopatra, I think, is a orig- is from out here yeah. or lived out here. Yeah, um, she's she's still out here. Word, and she's touring right now. I think. Um, yeah, with or just got done Zova? touring. What are, yeah, I think that's his name. Yeah, I think it's so. the Prism Talent Agency guys. Yeah. yeah. And then we've got Miko, the amazing Morgan, which she was the very first, like, local female that I got to see really break into this scene. And so she was one of my biggest Im- inspirations for when I got started. And you helped her. And you're friends, with, you're friends <laughs> with her, too. Um, so we're starting to see a lot more artists. Haley, Neon Drip, like, it's starting to kind of get there. Um, and I got to shout out um, Erica Tinkfu. And Nicole Juliet, because they were women that I was watching back in, like, 2008 and 2009. I think Nicole reached out to me. She does a lot of, like, drum and bass and oh, stuff, yeah. right? Nicole, yeah, she's playing at DOS. Yep, Nicole yep. gets the fuck yep. down. And these these girls, see, and that's the thing, too. Like, those guys, because there's Laser Kitten. Yeah. And then what is, is that Nicole, or does what does Nicole go by? Uh, Juliet. Juliet, that's right. So, And I think. Erica's playing DOS too. Pretty yeah. sure she is. Yeah. I just send her her like artist picture. <laughs> yeah. And it's crazy because those women have been in the scene for a while. Oh yeah. And I don't think a lot of people are aware of them either as much. And maybe I'm just ignorant, but I like once I saw that, I was like, oh fuck, we've got some women. And then seeing how long they've been doing stuff, I was like, damn. Yeah, when I, had I no idea. when I first started DJing, I made a list of like people that I wanted to do back to backs with, and Erica was like in my top three. And her and I did that a few times over the years. Erica gets the, gets fuck, the down fuck down. I love hard. that. I just think there's something to be said, and obviously, maybe I'm biased because I'm a woman. But in all of my years going to shows, some of my most memorable sets come from women because the energy 
that they yeah. exude is just, it's different. It yeah. just is. Well, and you, it's like I was telling you a couple of weeks ago when the promoters are white males and the people over at the agencies are white males and yep. the managers are white males who manage white artists yep. and the people that do the Spotify playlisting are white males and the people over at Apple are white males that do playlisting. It's kind of hard. Effect. Yeah. It's kind of hard not to feel like our scene is very mayonnaise people. Yeah. Well, and that was one of the biggest things that drew me to you too, because when you first reached out to me, because you um, you work with a recall. Do you yeah, want to recall talk about network. that a little bit? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, so I do, uh, I'm their social media manager. Yeah. So I, ma- I manage the pages for the main recall network page and then recall records, recall renaissance. Oh God, there's like, we've got like six sub labels. I love that. <laughs> well, and you, cause you, you have your hands in a lot of different things. And when you first reached out to me, it was about possibly interning for them. And I remember you saying that, you just really want to bring more people of color, more LGBTQ, more women, and just get more diversity within our local scene. Well, yeah, it's hard, to feel, it's hard to feel like there's representation of anybody mm-hmm. when all the people that are in positions of power look the same. Yeah, absolutely. Like, fuck, when I was coming up, I was one of a few, like, ethnic DJs. And I'm using ethnic as just, like, just a blanket everybody together because, yeah. like, there's not really any black DJs there's out here. Lot. There's ve- there's you very got Francis <clears throat> Durrell. and me. Yeah. Honestly, though, like <laughs> I don't. Uh, and I'm don't sure there are people I'm forgetting that like I'm just not aware of. But for sure, um, as far as people that are like consistently doing stuff, it's very slim pickings. Francis Durrell, Obayashi, I know because I think she is. Um, She's Asian and white. Yeah, and mixed. Some and she's cool. We got ER, which is a duo. They do house. I don't know the other guy very well, but Ricardo, I'm super, super good friends with. So shout out to them. They're also playing DOS. Yeah. Um, fucking, oh, the Z and Z dudes. Yeah, that too. That too. So it's like, it's really hard. And as far as I'll, I'll get into my own personal, which Haley is going to come on and kind of talk about what it's like to be a female in this industry and us kind of coming up together and what that's been like. But for me, um, I haven't personally experienced any type of um, injustice for being a woman in the scene yet, but I've seen it happen a lot to the oh. women around me. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I've seen promoters, like, tell female DJs, we're not booking you unless you blow me. And, like, horrible shit like that. Disgusting. Yeah, like, shit that... Would never happen if you if I had a penis. Yeah. <laughs> Just wouldn't happen. Or like, I've had promoters tell me, like, we only booked you because you're colored. And I'm like... Wow. I appreciate you, but, like, what the fuck, man? <laughs> well, and it's the way... To, because it's one thing to be, like, you're a person of color and we want to promote that community more so that's why we booked you we want to get more people of color out there but it's a whole different ball game to be like i only booked you because you're black because <laughs> because you're one of three i think yeah we haven't done research <laughs> like. it's ridiculous um so what with that being said i mean is what do you think we could do as a community to kind of work on that and fight against that um, I mean, it's a long and hard process. Yeah. Like, in order for there to be more representation, we have to get more people of color. We have to get more LGBTQ people in positions of power. Mm-hmm. In order to do that, we kind of have to take white dudes out of power. And there's yeah. no white dudes, like, 
yeah, I'll step down from my job that pays really well to give this person a chance. Yeah. It's the same. It it's like happen. the same concept as like when airplanes offer, um, we'll give you a flight voucher if you give this person your seat. Like nobody's jumping at the chance to fucking do that ever. True. <laughs> True. I, I agree a hundred percent. And I, I think it starts with just awareness and of the fact that there is a problem as far as that goes. Um, I don't know what that was, but they coming. <laughs> Keep in mind this, uh, our studio is below the tattoo shop. So sometimes you can hear they're all working their asses off up, up there right now. Yeah. It was like a marathon. Tattoo shop is like full. a fucking marathon. The in Saturday. There. Yep. They're fucking grinding it out up there. Um, but I think a lot of it is just acknowledging that there is a problem. Um, as far as supporting LGBTQ people of color, women, um, and going out of your way to support those people. Yeah. People don't seem to realize, but like liking somebody's track or pre-saving it so that way they can get, um, pre-saving is huge. Yeah. Pre-saving when you pre-save a track, Spotify sees that and they'll start adding people to their official playlist. So if they see a woman, it gives them more of a leg up to like get on official playlists. Yep. Absolutely. At the end of the day, streams and shit like that really don't matter. Spotify pays dick. But I've heard that. it makes it so promoters who are really only versed in looking at numbers see, oh shit, this person has 60,000 streams on this track and 75 on this track. We should book them because they have a following. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and I know, so Mother Lotus, she's one of yeah. my really good friends. We're working to get her out here because I really... I would love to meet her. I would love to watch her on a stage out here. She's killing it. She is, um, and I don't say this because she doesn't need uh, a leg up on anything, but she is dating Midnight Tea. And because she is dating Midnight Tea, because she's not producing yet, she has had people tell her that she's only getting, because she just opened for Forbidden Kingdom. Yeah. Uh, she's, She's fucking killing shit. And she is not... She's only been mixing, I think, for a couple years, and her story, we're going to get her on the podcast so she can kind of um, talk about that, but there are people who really think that because she is with Midnight Tea, she should have music out, that that's the only reason she's getting booked, and um, that's something that me and Logan and Haley have really struggled with that you've had to help us with. Yeah, all you need to shut the fuck up about it. This shit is a marathon, not a fucking sprint. I would much rather see somebody wait five years to put out a track that they're absolutely in love with that sounds good than to come out of the gates and put something bad out. Just for the sake of having something out. Yeah, having a track out doesn't mean shit. You can have 60 tracks out, but if they're not streaming well and they sound bad, it doesn't fucking matter. It's just going to hurt you. That's how I've always looked at it. That was part of the reason I rebranded yeah. Because well, I had tracks up from 2014 and 2015 where I was just figuring out how to, like, get my mix down sounding right. Right. And at the time, I thought they were the shit. And listening back on them, like, wow, why did people, why did my friends <laughs> lie to me? I've done nothing but be funny to you people. Well, and it's funny how many artists, like, that are really big now will say the same thing. Like, their music first starting out was absolute trash. Like, you cannot find any of Millennium's very, very first stuff out. Can't find it. Yeah. Will not find it because he was like, oh, no. Oh, no. Um, and I think that that is a really Shout big. Shout out to Nick. I love you. And I, I'm feeding you hot dogs at DOS. Oh, I I absolutely love that man. That man's music saved my life. I was actually listening to Fallen Embers, his new album, 
all this morning. And it's incredible to hear because he really wanted to, he's always been influenced by like alternative punk, like that type of stuff, like Angels and Airwaves, Blink-182. Like he listens to all of that and he's really wanted to go more of that direction and implement that into his sound. And this new album, he did such an amazing job of following that new sound, but then still bringing like really OG vibes of his Ashes album sound. And I think with stuff like that, it's just kind of hard as a position to put yourself in just because you don't want to sound like you're shoehorning it in. Absolutely. Or having like a guitar in there just for the sake of having a guitar. Absolutely. But he, I think he did a really awesome job of being able to blend the two. And I don't know. I just, people have a lot of really, really big and unrealistic expectations for artists. And like the biggest one for social pressure out here, because I constantly am seeing other artists that are local talking about how if you don't have music out, you don't deserve bookings. If you don't have music out, you don't deserve the recognition. And I just think that that is a really ridiculous way to look at things. It is. It's a, you're the only person that has helped me kind of step out of that and not let it affect what I'm doing. Somebody whose name I won't mention that is Brandon Fulmer of V2 events, um, (laughs) (laughs) told me, that the people that talk the loudest typically are doing the least. I like that. <clears throat> and I like that. it's so fucking true. Like the people that you see saying, if you don't have tracks out, you shouldn't be playing shows or blah, 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 are typically salty DJs that haven't done anything out of state that tracks, they don't stream well. And because of that, they're not getting bookings because they have a shitty attitude online. And it's just like, yo, if you just shut the fuck up about all the bullshit. Just people, focus on you. Pe- people would book you more. Yeah. I've had that conversation numerous times over the years with many a local. Mm -hmm. It's just like, dude, if you just shut the fuck up and like be yourself and be the funny, talented, lovely individual I know you can be when you're actually happy, people will fuck with you more. Absolutely. Well, and I think there's a lot to be said about that because, I mean, you've even told me, you know, those kind of people, they're the ones that drop off after few years yeah it's people that are genuinely putting in the work even if they are just a dj for five years before they put something out they're still consistently working on what and i'm sorry but going into producing um and focusing specifically on edm is one of the hardest things and hardest types of music to make it's like learning a new fucking language Well, and it's so sound design based. Like I think a lot of people that don't like electronic dance music don't understand the amount of work and talent and strife and consistency that it takes to be able to really cultivate a sound. Yeah. And I think when you're first starting out, like you, you get like a year under your belt DJing, you're like, okay, cool. I'm ready to learn how to produce. But that's how I was. Most of the time, like you're just barely learning how to be a decent DJ. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I played my first show, I think I was, like, nine months in. And looking back, that was a horrible fucking decision because I was <laughs> absolutely not ready to fucking play shows. See, and that's why your support was so awesome for us because Logan even had been mixing longer than I was. He was on a fucking laptop with Serato teaching himself on a laptop. He didn't have a mixer. He didn't have anything. Yeah. Um, 
So for us, like when when it did get to a point when you were like, let's get you guys booked, like let's do all of this. We were like, are you sure? <laughs> do you think that we're ready? But realistically, I mean, I have been doing this for a couple years. And even though I still will continue to get better and I still have so much to learn, I really do think that this is a good point with where I'm at and where Logan and Haley are at to be able to kind of break into the scene a little bit more. And really the only thing that's ever held us back is the fact that we don't have music out. So to have... And, and COVID. Yeah, let's that be, too. Let's, let's be real, be real. COVID <laughs> fucked up a lot. Shit. Um, but I think, I hope other artists listen to this because like Tim said, he's been in this for over 10 years. Like he knows what the fuck he's talking about. He's been around the block. Like he, he very much understands the way the business works, um, what it takes to have longevity within your career. And not only that, I know what it's like to be a new artist and people yeah. don't want to fuck with you because you're a new artist. Well, and it's, it's way harder than you would think, right? Because when I first started, um, even before I had a computer or anything to be able to mix on. And I was just talking about like, that was my goal. I was saving up money so that I could get to that point. There were so many people that were like, I'll listen to you all the time. I'll support the fuck out of you. I'll share everything. I'll do this, I'll do that. And then you actually start doing stuff. And it's really amazing because it's most of the time strangers or people oh, yeah. you would never think I'll that go, actually support you. I'll go through my SoundCloud stats every once in a while. And there are people that I personally have never met interacted with yep. that are in my top 50 listeners consistently yep. absolutely like i have a dude i think out in i want to say massachusetts or something like that i have no way to find this dude but he's listened to my shit like 453 times over the course Shout of out to guy yeah. in massachusetts yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but i feel that because i one of my top listeners for so long and i'm sure he still is was Somebody that I went to school with that I hadn't seen in years, Jake Belknap. I don't think he'll ever hear this, but shout out to you because he he had a whole playlist named Crystal that just all of my stuff was in it, and he was Aww. one of my t- literally like. And this was another cool story too. So I, because my logo is, <laughs> it's Cryzeedle. Cryzeedle. <laughs> <laughs> well, in sad girl hours, like me as a person, like I had to have the word cry in my name, right? Oh, yeah, Like of had course. to. And it's kind of hard to work in sobbing organically. So like, <laughs> I get it. Um, but my like actual logo, uh, Jade Lewis designed for me. It's beautiful because I'm obsessed with elephants. I've always resonated with them and it has sacred geometry and it's just this beautiful work of art. And okay, that's not the direction I thought you were going to go when you were talking about elephants. I was expecting Dumbo, and I'm, <laughs> no. like, slightly disappointed. I can't watch that show. It makes me cry. That's understandable. It's pretty <laughs> sad. Um, but that's um, my artwork for all of my mixes is just my logo. And I had gotten a comment on one of my mixes from this girl, just, and she could have been from anywhere because I do have listeners in a lot of places that I never would have expected I'm – I have listeners in other countries, and um, so she could have been anywhere, but she was like, I absolutely love, it was for my um, my Nerco mashup that has 25,000 listens on it. Damn, son. Like, and it just keeps, it just keeps going, and um, she was like, I love this so much, and I love the album artwork, because she thought it was album artwork. She was like, I love it so much that I'm going to have a tattoo design based off of it. Yo, if you're listening to this person, you get guest list for life. 
I'm making an executive decision for you. Really though, I know. Well, so that happened and I was just like, that's fucking crazy, you know? And then all of a sudden, a few days later, I get a message from my really good friend, Alexis. And she's like, dude, look at this. And this girl is actually out here in Utah and is one of my friend's friends because she had posted the tattoo and Alexis saw it and was like, dude, that's my friend's logo. That's that's Crystal. And I actually ended up getting to meet her at Electric Powwow. This girl just walked by and I just got a flash of her arm and I was like, oh, that's my logo. And I stopped her. I was like, I'm, I'm Crystal. And she was like, oh my, like, it was just the coolest That's thing. That's adorable. It was the coolest thing. Like that somebody is walking around with my, like, and they did change it uh, quite a bit. Like it's a, like, as far as like structure and everything, it's, you can tell it's my logo, but they did do the artwork a little bit differently. But still the fact that somebody is walking around with that, on them and they know me and they know what it because at first she didn't realize it was my logo and she kind of felt bad at first and like I don't care like at first I was kind of like well fuck I was gonna get that tattooed but it's still gonna be different so it doesn't really matter and (laughs) I like how you feel like you're infringing on her copyrights for your logo (laughs) (laughs) right right but yeah just things like that it's just like you I never like but f- when I was first starting out, I would have never pictured to be in this spot. And I think that says a lot for just like continuing to work hard. And like really the people who actually love this music and actually have a love for mixing and sharing music with people and creating an experience, like that's what I'm I'm working on a whole brand because I have a very specific type of vibe that I want. Yeah. To give people. Sad girl shit. Yeah, but like also mixed. You fucking saw my first show. It wasn't all sad girl. Yeah, it was pretty good. It was pretty it was pretty good. Yeah, it was, it was very nice. Golf clap. <laughs> Golf clap. Golf clap for Rena. <laughs> well, and even that was amazing because even though it wasn't like a huge packed out show, which I wouldn't have wanted for my first show, I think. Yeah, I feel like you definitely would have peed your pants. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was the perfect amount of people... I got a really good reaction, especially towards the end of the set when more people were coming in. And I had a few people come up to me and ask for my info. Like this one guy was like, I'm going to send you out to my homies in New York. Like you killed it. Like it's just the little things like that of like continuing, like you keep going and you keep building this branding and you keep building this experience and bringing more people into it that vibe with you. And it is literally, Subtronics talks about it all the time. It is literally impossible to continue to work and work and work as long as you're continuing to keep your nose to the ground and work your ass off and it's something that you love it is absolutely impossible to not succeed not saying it's gonna happen overnight but if you keep at it you're gonna get somewhere but on average like when I was researching before I even was doing music like I researched a lot of my favorite artists and on average it took a lot of them five to seven years yeah I mean your average like overnight success has 10 years of work behind them absolutely well and then people want to say it's like they blew up overnight but that's not like Elenium a lot of people were like damn he just kind of like blew up overnight like no no he didn't yeah I was at Elenium's first show out here mm-hmm. and I ate hot dogs with him shit was tight I love you so much <laughs> I don't even care. Ultimate sad girl. But he's gonna point you out at Dawson and be like, You're that weird girl from the podcast. I gave him so <laughs> I 
was lucky enough to meet Dabin and Trifecta when they came out and played at Sky a few years back. And I didn't have the time to like make anything cool and I didn't have any candy or anything. So I asked Dabin, sweet soul, I love him so much, but I was like, hey, I know this might be a little weird, but if I give you <laughs> this scrunchie, it was a tie-dye little scrunchie. Cause you know how like there was this thing for the younger generation, like the boyfriends were wearing the girlfriend scrunchies. No. That was, yeah, you're too old. Yeah, I'm that, 30 now. <laughs> that turned into a thing. So I was like, will you give him this scrunchie and tell him I love him? And he was like, I actually get to see him next week. I'll give it to him. And, I, and like, after the fact, I was like, what the fuck? Like, can you imagine, like, Davin's just like, some girl Yo, here's gave the, me this scrunchie. Here's this dry, <laughs> sweaty scrunchie. Oh. And Nick's just like, why is it crunchy? No, it was clean, I promise. <laughs> I've seen you at show, Serena. Bro, I rage fucking face. And you just kind of sit there and do your little yeah. doot, 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 yeah. doot. I don't, I'm not You're good too at dancing. I'm not good at dancing. That's why I DJ. <laughs> That's why I DJ. That's fucking great. Because nobody has to see my legs. Nobody has to see my legs. Yeah. It's all The bass comes from my arms. I fucking love that. So as far as um, what... We're trying to, hold on, I'm going to pause this because I'm going to cut this out because I'm trying to figure out what more I want to talk about. Pussy farts. That's definitely getting cut it out. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I want to talk about like more history and stuff. And like, what do you, what, what do you think we, sh where, where should we go from here? We can talk, we can talk about some advice for newcomers. I think it would be awesome to talk about advice for newcomers. Cause when I first started, um, I didn't have direction at first until we got to meet you. That was when I started getting more direction for things. Yeah. So I, I was fortunate enough to meet, um, a guy named Audix, Justin Morris. I absolutely would not have had the like first I would say four or five years of me DJing if it weren't for him. Right. He's definitely the dude that told me, hey, you actually, like, can do something with this. I used to go to his right. house every week on Thursdays because that would be, like, DJ practice night. Word. When he was first teaching me, it would be, all right, you got a CD? Grab a CD from my case. And then go pick two records from my vinyl wall. So he would have me mix a CD into a vinyl, into another vinyl, into one of his CDs, and then into a different CD of mine. See, we really do have it so much easier <coughs> now, like 110%. Oh, you've, se you've seen the old CDJs. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, they're crazy. Yeah. Well, and my my dad was, he was a DJ, but he was doing vinyl too. Yeah. So, and one of the freaking Zeke beats, he's Yo. killer. He, I got to see him at Lost Lands, and he scratches and does the vinyl yep. stuff too, and level up. Yeah. actually is she started on vinyls and i remember seeing this past christmas subtronics um because subtronics and level up are dating uh jesse and sonia cutest couple but he had got her a whole new vinyl setup and was like sonia's gonna try and teach me how to do this and he could not yeah scratch could not do it scratching is fucking hard i couldn't imagine like starting on something like that no fuck that scratching like my brain doesn't communicate to my fingers that fast. I couldn't, yeah. And it's something that I would still really love to try just for the fact that that is something my dad did. And it, I mean, I you, think it's cool in general that I'm doing 
what he wanted to do, but then never got the chance to really pursue fully. I mean, if your dad wants to come bang out a dubstep set, he's more than welcome. I'll book him. <laughs> I'm talking <laughs> about my biological dad that passed away. Oh. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. Oh, but no. <laughs> he, I mean, Junior, my, my dad, he is very musically inclined. Like, that's that's why I have so much diversity within the type of music I like, and that's why I kind of want to do everything because it's it's funny because when I first got into the EDM scene like I've talked about how really the people that really made me want to really break into it was when I saw Slushy and Hero Bust at DOS. Oh word. And so it really started with a lot of the melodic dubstep that kind of stuff and as I continued my journey in because when I first found electronic dance music, it was like a whole new world because there's so much. There's so many different genres. That's why I say to people when they're like, I don't like that music. Like there is something for everybody. within. Oh, yeah. It's EDM is a huge umbrella term because within that you have dubstep, you have house, trance, hard style, and then you have all those subgenres and you have like, I didn't even know what breakbeats was until meeting you and so for people who are new in the scene what the fuck is breakbeats <laughs> what is that so breakbeats actually got its start from hip-hop um the new york De- yeah new york djs would take um parts of funk and soul records they would take the random drum breaks they would have it on a record and they would find the drum break switch over to that record and then loop the other one back to the other drum break and they would do it back and forth that's so cool. And over time, people were just like, yo, this is the fucking shit I do like. Yep. And that's how Breakbeats became a thing. And now you have guys like DJ Icy, Keith McKenzie, uh, oh, God, I'm blanking, Stanton Warriors, Left Right, Aylin occasionally. They're all right. p- really pushing the genre forward. Like, Keith McKenzie's playing EDC Orlando this year. Which is cool <clears throat> because Breakbeats has been around for a long time, but it's not really something that people are super aware of now so to hear that it's kind of pushing forward and getting more exposure especially because you're playing a lot of break beats for your DOS set right? oh yeah that's gonna be all breaks yep all yep. edits that like nobody's heard yet unless I've like sent you a shitty fucking phone video <laughs> but like like I, I have that. I think on my Dropbox there's between my two relic packs a hundred plus edits that I've done, which like 90% of them aren't released and will never get released. Which there's reason for that because (laughs) after a certain point, you know, it's good to put stuff out, but it's also like all the really big names, heavy hitters, um, like uh, Sudden Death is a really good example of that and Excision, like Excision's detox sets. People don't realize that a lot of that music that compiles those sets are excisions yep. tracks but he will never release them yeah or for it's, that reason or it's like um stuff he gets emailed to him or it's like yep. remixes of his tracks like that fuck the throwing elbows percy remix that's been in his detox Word. set for and you fuck. know percy yeah that's my percy. that's my boy i love you ben yeah he's I'll the clap shit your too. cheeks bro i will clap your cheeks bro respectfully <laughs> respectfully um <laughs> But yeah, so like there is so many different types of genres. And at first I really only swam within the melodic and dubstep stuff. But as I continued on, like I found a lot of trance that I really liked. I found even like some of the dubstep tracks you were playing at the yard was like very heavily side trance influenced. Absolutely. It's got like the rolling bass line. I'm just like, all right, Serena, 
Yep. Go off. I like, yeah, I like a variety. I ended up like hard style. I used to be like, what the fuck is this? I hate this shit. But there are certain type of hard styles like Wasted Penguins Yo. that I love because they're more the euphoric, melodic element. Mm-hmm. And to there's just genuinely is something for everybody. Well, and I think with like any music genre, you're going to find cheese immediately because yeah. cheesy shit as much as we don't want to admit it is the shit that people tend to stream the most because it's, it's the stuff that like, what's the word I'm looking for? It's just catchy. Yeah. No matter what. It's the same reason why it's the shit that you end up with like Stockholm syndrome where you've just heard it so many times that you're like, I don't even know if I like this song, but, but it's, I'm a stuck keep in, it's fucking stuck in my head and I have no idea why yep. I have like 10 tracks that I play out like that. Yeah. Because I know they do well, and I don't know if I like them, but, like, here we fucking go. Yeah. <laughs> well, and a lot of people that don't listen to this kind of music don't realize how heavily influenced everything on the radio is with EDM. Like, you wouldn't, like, those, a lot of those singers, they're hiring producers to do yeah. all of this. I just, I, I can't specifically name drop, and I'm not actually going to this time, but I know... <laughs> a very popular um, dubstep and like melodic producer that's moving more towards pop just because that's where he's having more fun. Well, and that's, I think, I don't know. People have a really hard time with artists switching anything up. Like Getter was a really big example of that. I hated what happened to him. So for those of you who don't know Getter, he was primarily a really heavy dubstep artist. um, And he was going through a lot of mental stuff. He struggles heavily with depression. He was having a hard time. So he ended up coming out with an album called Visceral. And it is one of my top favorite albums. It is absolutely beautiful. And he was going on tour for that album. Everybody knew that this was the Visceral tour. He didn't even finish his tour because he got booed off stage at one of his shows because he wasn't playing dubstep. Which, and it's disgusting. Yo, if you're going to a show, I get it. There's like a certain expectation that an artist is going to play something. But they knew it if was If you're that going album, to a fucking album tour. Why would you? You should have known. You, sh- you should have known. And because of that, he kind of fell off on music after that. He didn't finish his tour. He disappeared for a while. And he's just barely kind of coming back releasing stuff. Yeah. Because it was Yeah, we're getting him in Sky November. Yes. November or December. Uh, Getter, he's amazing. And so it's just like, there are certain fans that can be very elitist within this community that make it hard for artists to be able to just explore what they want to explore. And at the end of the day, um, you know, this is their outlet. This is their project. You don't have to vibe with everything, but to make someone feel so low like that, is unacceptable to me. I just need, like, I would love to understand, like, how unhappy of a person you have to be to not only not enjoy somebody's piece of work, but to then buy a ticket to their show, to spend months, to spend your own money on somebody's show, just to boo them. Yeah, it's, it's really sad, and it makes artists feel like they have to stay in the box that they started in, because if that's where they, like, Heckler is another good example of that right now, because he um, also primarily was dubstep starting out, and his new album that he's working on is, 
I feel like, in my opinion, so ahead of its time with what he's doing. Like he, it's very similar to like Must Die's new album, like oh, the yeah. way that stuff sounds. Yo, it's Must very Die's similar album to that. Is wild. It's amazing. Like I don't. If you've seen Must Die's Twitter and you haven't listened to his album, or vice you're versa, fucking up. Yeah, like that album. I played sound- some of those tracks yeah, at like my his, show. Yeah, his album sounds exactly like his Twitter. It- <laughs> <laughs> It is fucking chaotic, and I'm here for it. it well, and there were so many different types of, like, genres influenced like, by If you would have told me when I opened for him in 20, when was that, 2015, like, the first time he ever came to Utah, that one day he'd put out a fucking hard-style track, I would have laughed at you. Literally. Literally. But I think it's being able to have that safe space for artists that is so important. And Oh, and not only that, but, like... A lot of people don't realize that, like, pretty much every artist explores in different genres. We might not release it, and you probably will never hear it, but, like... They do. I've got fucking house tracks that are never coming out just because I wanted to make a house track. Or I've got, like, three completed drum and bass tracks that, like, I don't even throw up on SoundCloud because, like, they're not good, but I enjoy them. Absolutely. And it was, like, a learning process for me. Absolutely. And... That's why I just love that they're, especially for festivals like DOS, they did such an awesome job of bringing a little bit of everything to the table. So it, even if you don't like dubstep, you can go to DOS and have a g- fucking great time. You can only like house and go and have a great yeah. time. Like there's something for everybody. Um, and I kind of want uh, to t- explain the culture a little bit more because I haven't really on this podcast, but... The biggest thing with the EDM community is plur. And (laughs) Tim's going to laugh about it. Oh, God. All right. Goddamn ravers. Oh, you fucking fucks. (laughs) But what's funny about plur is they're actually P-L-U-R, but they're actually used to be two R's. So depending on who you are and, like, how old you are, there is two R's. There's two R's for me. So since we're we're on this, like, origin story kick, I I got a story for you. Yes. So plur came up because a man named Frankie Bones was throwing what's called storm raves in New York. Basically they would break into a fucking warehouse and throw a fucking show. The old days. Yeah. And at one of his storm raves, a fight broke out, and he got on the mic and said, if you motherfuckers don't start showing some peace, love, and unity, I'm going to break your fucking faces. Yep. So the start of Plur was a threat. (laughs) I I love that. (laughs) I'm here for that. Because, yeah, and it... Some people don't even, especially when you're first getting into it, they don't fucking know what that is. But the last R, so it's peace, love, unity, and respect. But the last R that a lot of people don't even think about anymore is responsibility. Um, Being responsible when you go to these events. You know, yes, um, there are a lot of people that take recreational drugs at these shows. And the responsibility aspect comes into play a lot with that because totally okay this is a safe space for the most part you still gotta be be careful but this is kind of a safe space to be able to do that but being responsible with the amount of drugs you're taking make sure you're drinking enough water staying hydrated making sure also, you're testing you're, your drugs if you're listening to this podcast i want you to pause it right now and drink some water because i know you're dehydrated bitch i know you're dehydrated i'm pee, pee <laughs> your pants right now to establish dominance <laughs> But really, though, like... That was a good pee, wasn't it? (laughs) 
Tim Zipperstein, everybody. Uh, I, I could hear it. <laughs> I could hear it. Um, but yeah, so a lot of like the responsibility aspect has fallen off, for, especially the new ravers that are just kind of coming. Like they're not even oh. ravers. They're just coming to have a good time. Oh, and people like that, as much as like people that have been in the scene for a while detest them, they're kind of a necessary evil. To keep <coughs> to keep the scene going too. I mean, cause I mean some of these people eventually. Yeah, will... they'll buy. They buy tickets. Yeah, they're like, coming. Bottom line, they the people that you don't care seeing at shows help fund the fucking shows. Necessary evil. It's fuck- the Chads and Britneys are necessary. Yep. You heard it here first. Unfortunately, if we could just get everybody to like maybe shower and wear some deodorant before the show, that would be dope. That would be great. Please. <laughs> I, but can, I can already feel the sweat cloud at Saltair oh, just really rain, raining on people. It's going to be <laughs> moist, squish, well, squish, splurt. Splurt. <laughs> well, and this community is really big on body positivity and sex positivity. Like, people judge a lot because they see these women, in other people's words, going to these shows half naked and, you know, all these things. But it's like... You are being thrown sex everywhere. Like, yeah. sex sells everything. So why yeah, is at, it... Look at Carl's Jr. commercials from, like, 10 years fucking ago. Fucking Kim K, dude. Her yep. in, like, Paris Hilton eating the goddamn burgers half yeah. naked. Which, like, like, I don't know why, but thinking about that commercial, I have a hankering for a burger right now. Go get Cra- some burgers after. Crazy. <laughs> That's what I'm saying, <laughs> though. So it's like... But this is a community where you can literally just go be yourself and you are not. That was the biggest thing for me. I had never been in a type of experience or community where I genuinely felt like I could be exactly who I wanted to be. You can dance like a fucking weirdo. You can you can just be who you are and you are going to receive so much love. Like there's... um we call them candy bracelets. And I remember <laughs> when I got my friend Alicia into the scene, I told her, I was like, why don't you come over and make, make candy? And she genuinely thought that candy was drugs. Like we're trading drugs oh, at these shows with I bracelets. Was, I was going like the food direction. She was like, we're going to come o- I'm going to come over and we're going to make salt water taffy. So, literally like, and sometimes that's what people think, but she thought like trading, like, no, they're literally beaded bracelets. You don't see as many candy kids out as much. And I, I, I hope to bring with us. Well, and I think a of, well, I won't say a lot, but a few ravers are being more eco-conscious with it because those bracelets aren't fucking recyclable. They'll break at a venue and you have somewhere like Saltaire where where it's like a big amphitheater and a lot of it's grass, but like those plastics don't fucking break down. That's fair. And I just saw a post, um, where the glitter's another big thing too, unfortunately, but you can find certain types of, I know for a fact, and honestly I can do research and kind of let everybody know for people who do rave, but there is biodegradable glitter and I, would guarantee if I do enough research, we could find some beads or something that is not so detrimental yeah. to the planet. I don't know. I've never, li- I've never been big on candy. You don't, don't strike me as somebody yeah, who would no. be. You're, you've been in this too long. You're yeah. like, whatever. Even but, like when I was first going to shows and I was like, hey, those bracelets are dope. And they were like, you want one? I was like, nah. It's okay. No, I'm good. It's all good. It's nice to look at, but like, I feel yeah. like it would make me sweaty. Well, and it's part of, that was part of my favorite experiences because um, they make you do the Plur Gang handshake. The Plur Gang handshake, yeah. I, Dre, uh, our my producer and my dad's producer, Dre Rocca. Shout out Dre. 
U92, he's fucking awesome. He's the DJ for them, I believe Monday through Friday, maybe even Saturdays, but um, he had just learned about that, and he was like, they do straight-up gang signs. Yeah. <laughs> no. That's how they initiate you. That's how they initiate you, but yeah, you trade these bracelets with strangers, and I've gotten some really cool pieces from people, and then you make connections and meet new friends. Like, it just... When you go with the right people and you surround yourself with the right people, it is one of the most, for me, magical experiences that is untouched by any other type of experience. Like, I, and what's funny is like people think of EDM shows and it's like, oh, all these druggies. But if you listen to my dad's podcast, he's had a lot of people in the music industry on um, that help with builds as far as like the Garth Brooks shows, like the. Rolling Loud Festival or whatever Yo. that is, like that type of shit. <laughs> they had a WWE fucking match in the middle of Rolling Loud this past year. It just happened, I Yo, think. Yo, their fucking video wall collapsed. I saw that. Yeah. The, I saw I guess they that. were rolling a little too much loud. A little loud. too hard. Um, but, but, but even, you know, those guys that have worked a lot of country shows, they will tell you, like, country shows are the worst of the worst. Yeah. People get belligerently fucking drunk. There are drugs there. People do fucking drugs at those shows. And they're not nice people all the time. No. Like, and I'm not saying everybody who goes to a country show well, it's is hard to be a nice. It's hard to be a nice person while blaring banjo music's playing and people are smoking Jacked crack. Jacked on some whiskey. <laughs> really, though, because they, yeah. there's, yeah, they do shit like that. And not saying they... You can't find something like that at a rave, but it's a different atmosphere. It's very safety-based. People seem to forget that, like, one of the best things that goes with music is fucking drugs. I mean... Like, drugs have been in music culture since the beginning of fucking time. Look at rap music. You're going to sit and judge me for going to an EDM show, but you're bumping music that's talking about fucking selling fentanyl and shit. Like, are you kidding me? Yeah. (laughs) Where it's hypocritical. I've, I've never seen more weed smoke in a crowd than I have at like a Tech Nine show. <laughs> Word, I, Snoop Dogg for the 420 shows yep. that they do. That that shit's lit. I have a good time at those. I bet you do. I do, um, but I don't know. I I think this is the part where the podcast gets busted, right? <laughs> wee, wee. Well, and that's funny because I think a couple of my coworkers might listen to this, but they're fucking cool, so it's okay. Yeah, shout um, out to the cool coworkers. The rest of you guys are dicks. When I'm pregnant, so I'm not. I'm. It's not like I'm doing anything like that now. Absolutely not. But you know, I wait. So we're not smoking crack after this. Oh, I'm sorry. I forgot to tell you. My bad. <sighs> <laughs> but I've gone to shows sober and had an amazing time. I've gone to shows on other substances and had an amazing time. Like you can have, and you're sober. Yeah, I, like, I guess that should be like brought up now that we're t- I, on it a little bit, right? <laughs> Yeah, so I've been sober like four, it'll be five years in April. I'm so proud of you. Hey, thanks. That's so awesome. And like, hey. that's the thing too. Like a lot of people think that if you go out to these shows and everything that you're kind of pressured into doing drugs or s- something like that. I have a lot of friends that are sober. Yeah. Um, and go and have a good time because it's not about that. It genuinely like is about the music. Yeah. And like, I've never been offered more drugs than I have being a DJ playing like an out of state show, but I agree. No, uh, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure. And it's going to, there's always going to be drugs. Your level of participation in that is kind of up to you. Nobody's going to make you yeah. do lines. Nobody's going to make you smoke a joint. 
If you want to go and just like kick it in the back, you'll probably see me there because I'm old and the people up front scare me. See, and I'm not a rail rider. Like, nope, kudos to you guys if you yeah. can fucking do that because holy shit, I, w- I like to be in the back. I will say that it get funky. I was on the rail for Chami and I was headbanging and confusing all the house heads around me. So that was fun. See, I think the only time I ever, I remember this actually, this is a really good example of how the community um, is, but Bonnie and Clyde came for DOS a few years ago. And at the end of their set, they were passing out roses because that's their thing. And so I ran up to that fucking rail trying to get one. And Bonnie did not get me one. She gave one to the girl next to me and I didn't get one. But it was fine. Get fucked on, nerd. (laughs) Literally. Well, and then I go to turn around to get back out. And there's just this swarm of people. And I remember just getting so overwhelmed. And I was like, I'm going to throw up. And I had to run to a garbage can and threw up and was thank god i made it to the garbage can but some random random sweet girl came over are you okay checking on me she started fanning me down with her fan um her boyfriend ended up coming up and had a gatorade and he was like it's brand new like you can crack the sill like it's it's good but like you should drink this and so grateful for people like that because I've seen that happen for other people. I'm one of those people if I see somebody that's sick or doesn't look like they're doing well, like there are people genuinely around that care that are going to check in on you, do what they can to make sure you're good. And I think that's another thing that kind of makes this community unique because I think a lot of people oh, and I'll let just you don't in, care. I'll let you in on a little secret. Um, from a production standpoint, in our safety meetings, we are instructed to tell people if we see somebody that looks sick and there's no security around to help them, go help them. And we're like instructed to tell them you are not going to get in trouble for going to the med tent. There's a, no, that's why it's there. Yeah. There's a weird stigma that like, you're going to go to the med tent and you're going to tell somebody, this is what I took. And and that's not, you're going to get arrested. That, that absolutely will never happen unless you're like selling shit. And being an idiot. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm glad that you brought that up so people under, like, they're genuinely, because uh, Arizona for. But and, like, we instructed the security guards at Excision, like, people are going to be getting rowdy, so let them get rowdy up to a point. Yeah, but if you see somebody fall safe. over, like, if yeah. they're on the rail, fucking pull them over the rail. Yeah, help them out. Well, and uh, out in Arizona, Relentless Beats, they have. Hey, um, shout out Relentless Beats. They're fucking. Oh, they're slaying shit. I actually, when you asked me states that I want to play in, I don't know why I didn't say Arizona first, because that actually would be my first, because of all our friends out there and stuff. But Relentless uh, Beats, they have, um, they have, I can't, sorry, (laughs) Tim just showed me Logan, one of Logan's new logos, and holy fucking shit, that is dope. I'm so excited for Yo, you guys to see that. shout out my dude Cartoon Advisory, who I don't even really know if he though. knows this, but I'm naming him as my art director just because he's such a fucking phenomenal he's dude. He's killer. And he's like one of the best artists I've ever seen. I So I have go to follow this dude. It's at Cartoon Advisory. No spaces. Twitter. Yep. yep you can find him. Yep. His artwork's <clears throat> insane. What, um, were you, what were you saying, dear? You're okay. <laughs> um relentless beats has their people that are called the relentless rangers and same thing they have their med tents if you are literally just candidly too high something's going on 
Um, you can go, that's what it's meant for, to go, they'll give you water, sit down, take a breather, and that way if anything does happen, you have the medics right there. Um, and even Lost Lands, when we went to Lost Lands, they had booths to test your drugs. Yeah. And so many people are, you can, if you don't want to do drugs, don't do them. That's fine. But people are going to do drugs. It's the same way like when we're teaching sex ed, it's like only abstinence, <laughs> but it's like, that's not realistic. People are going to go have sex. People are going to go do drugs. Yeah, people be clapping cheeks. <laughs> so it's so important if you don't know where you're getting your drugs from to go test them. So they had these booths. You could get them tested for free, and then they would let you know um, what not to mix with those drugs because a lot of people don't realize this, but Molly in ecstasy, you should not be drinking alcohol with that. It is toxic. If you drink too much alcohol, you can die. Yeah, well, it's the same way. Alcohol mixed with pretty much anything is not great for you. Yeah. Like, there are people who are, like, legally prescribed, like, Xanax. Don't realize that if you mix Xanax and alcohol, it can make it so you stop fucking breathing. Absolutely. Well, and Xanax is a really big thing out here because a lot of times it's cut with fentanyl. And we've had a lot of people die across the country because of things like that. So that's why I'm saying, like... I can sit and preach all day long, don't do Xanax, don't do Xanax, because I believe that people should not be recreationally doing that, but people are still going to do it. So see if you can get it tested. There's also, you can get, for anybody that does use that recreational, um, you can actually get a nasal spray that will immediately counteract an overdose, a fentanyl overdose. Um, You can get it at a pharmacy. And so if you are doing stuff like that, even like Coke can be cut with fentanyl like it's it's really important to be safe well depending on like what state you're in um i'll have serena link it but you can get narcan either That's for free or very fucking cheap very <laughs> cheap it's i'm glad that because i couldn't remember what it's called yeah i'm narcan. actually about to like do the training for narcan and redo Good. my cpr certifications just because like we got festivals coming up and people Absolutely. overdo it and yeah get freaky is one of Get Freaky is one of the biggest ones yeah. where I see, I don't know if it's because it's Halloween. It, that's exactly it. But people just really, I remember the last Get Freaky I went to, I spent a lot of my time because I did take a tab of acid and I I am responsible with my drugs. I know how much to take. I know, and I don't ever, I'm not one of those people that's like, I'm going to take six tabs and just fucking da 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 or I'm going to take fucking a shit ton of molly and like i've never been that person so at that specific show i remember being so overwhelmed by the energy of all the other drugs i had to spend a lot of time outside by the med tent because it was so overwhelming and i can't tell you how many people i saw being brought out by medics because whether it's they're not hydrating while they're on their drugs they took too much like I just, I, I'm going to do a full episode on drug safety and drug education because I think that that's something we could get into for over an hour. Using easily. condoms. <laughs> that, all the safety. <laughs> um, <coughs> I could hear that. <coughs> we'll edit that out. No, make that the intro. Make that the intro. <laughs> um, but in general, like it really is such a, a safe space. And regardless of where you go, there's always going to be like, be aware of your surroundings because unfortunately, especially like out in Arizona, like their, their desert, desert scene specifically as a woman. And I've talked to many women that are from Arizona that have gone to these shows. Like as a woman, you don't stray from your group out in those types of shows. Yeah. 
you're in the desert. People do go missing. There's a huge thing with sex trafficking, unfortunately. So I'm not saying that this is like this pretty little bubble that nothing bad can ever happen at all. But I am saying that this community is a lot more conscious as far as safety with drugs um, and even like preventing sexual predators and stuff. Cause yeah. we, that's something that we've had to deal with recently and <laughs> unfortunately and v- do you mean five minutes before we did this literally <laughs> literally like we um <clears throat> that community is very big on on safety and for people who aren't aware of the culture I think that that's something to really drive home like this is a safe space to go be yourself have fun create experiences and just vibe to some really awesome music and um I think I think a lot of it too. Like when you're seeing after movies for any festival, whether it's DOS or mm-hmm. EDC, Coachella, Rolling Loud, like it looks fucking overwhelming. It does. Like the first time I saw Ultra, I was like, "What the fuck is I that?" I'd love to go to Ultra. Yo, I yeah. I mean, Ultra would be cool. I like their. I'll be, I'll be out in Miami in March for Miami Music Week. So like. Yep. Vertex will be out there. Yep. Depending Come on show whole. <laughs> depending on where I'm at as far as recovery with baby. I don't know if we'll be able to make that happen just because no, I'm the baby. January. Bring the baby. Yeah. Well, and that's what's crazy too. There are certain shows that are all ages, and depending on the show, I really <laughs> don't think kids need to be there. Yo. But certain ones, <laughs> as long as they have ear protection, that's the biggest thing. I saw like, little kids roaming around at the Lil John show at fucking Galvin oh, Center a few years ago, and it's just I like... I don't know if that's kid I don't know if this is appropriate for I a four-year-old to be hearing skeet, 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 skeet. Oh, my fucking God. <laughs> See, yeah, and like a lot of the shows I've been to are at... Um, I think the only all-ages show I went to was Elenium when he came for his Ascend tour, but... See, that I would that be okay with. That makes sense for him. Yeah, his... His songs aren't all motherfucker this and I'll stab you that and skeet, 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 skeet. Well, and he's very aware and conscious of his fan base. And a lot of his fans have kiddos that love him just as much as the adults do. I mean, if we're talking about kid friendly, we got to fucking talk about Marshmallow. We love Marshmallow. This motherfucker, like, shout out to Marshmallow and his team. People like to talk shit on him, but I No, his team is fucking genius. I love him. Yeah, like, every move that they've been making is so calculated that it's, like, He's insane. very successful. Well, and speaking of that, Slushy uh, and Grizz. Yep. I really want to shout them out really quick because, so for one, Slushy, we'll talk about him first. He actually has autism. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people don't know that about him. And he's gone to a lot of different schools and played shows for, for these kids in these schools and... I think that's really amazing, and he kind of gets to spread awareness about just because c- you have autism, like you can, you can do what you want to do still. Like, and I know that there's a whole spectrum to that, but between him and then Grizz, um, he was—I don't know if he had a whole um, how he was able to do it, but he was going to a lot of schools that were not as well off um, as far as like their arts and music. Oh yeah, uh, that's what he—that's what uh. What's his fucking Christmas party called? Uh, oh, like, Grismas? Yeah, Grismas. Yeah. Yeah, like all the like proceeds from that go to inner city music programs. Yeah, because there's a lot of schools. Like we're lucky out here because we do have programs for that. The, the programs don't get funded as much as sports, obviously, but we have that to an extent here. Well, yeah, nobody wants to see competitive trumpet players. 
<laughs> That's fucking great. <laughs> but yeah, he was going out and visiting these schools and teaching kids how to produce and donating money. And like, you find so many gems within the community that are genuinely given back, giving back to the community. Like, and I want to shout out more Kismet as well because they Yo. are making waves. They are non-binary and they... 16, 17? Yeah. I, or no, I think they just barely turned 18, maybe. But they're mm. young. They've been in the business for a few years, but they, so they started. So when I first found out about more Kismet, they were 14. And I was Little. listening to their tracks and was just like, I'm not going to be jealous of a 14 year old, but, but like. holy shit, this, they are. This fucking kid, holy shit like they just got put on a lineup with miley cyrus for this big ass festival oh yeah lollapalooza yep, yep yep so proud of that and to be a person of color and to be part of the lgbtqia community like it's a really big deal but even that person like they receive a lot of weird shit on social media a lot of weird and shit. it's really sad and the fact that they have to continuously address it, like, hey, I'm underage. Can you maybe not talk to me all sexual-like and be weird with, like, it's, <laughs> I'm a minor. Do I have to, like, they have to keep reminding people that they're a minor. Um, More Kismet did a interview with Willie Joy on the Back to Back podcast. And initially, More Kismet was like, yeah, you have to wait till my mom gets here. And Willie was like... Why would I have to? Oh, that's right. You're like 16. Yeah, you're you're a kiddo, <laughs> like a little kiddo. And it's, it's crazy because it doesn't... I, for a long time, really felt like I got into this way too late. And that was like kind of the things I kept telling myself, even though I was still continuing to do stuff. Like that was something that kind of kept happening. And I know it's a thing for Logan. Oh, now that, now that we're recording. I mean, Norman Cook was... 35 before he started fat boy slim so like you're right on time word word well and, I and just, anybody out there if you're thinking about getting into dance music fucking do it when you're ready yeah like, absolutely the only person that's thinking you're weird for not getting into dance music sooner is you absolutely and i think there's a divine timing to things at least that's the way i feel like i i really feel like when i started and like watching my journey unfold like i started when I was meant to. I I had that experience with Slushy and Hero Bust at DOS and that was just the catalyst of like you never know where things can go. Yeah. Unless and the only thing ever holding you back is your own fear. And I, I wanted to go off of that, like don't you won't realize like what your trajectory actually looked like until you're like five years in and you're just like absolutely. holy fucking shit. I've done this and I've worked with these people and I've been able to accomplish this and this and this. Sorry to interrupt you, but guess who just messaged me? Who? A Mr. Garth Jones of Monsoon Season. And he said, when would you like us to plan to come out for the podcast? Right the fuck now. I wish. Call that bitch. Call that bitch. <laughs> Honestly, I'm legit. I'm because Wait. there was something I wanted to pull up for you guys to listen to. And I want to make sure it's on the correct um spot so we're gonna take a quick pause it's not gonna be a pause for you guys for us it'll be a pause but yeah i actually i'm gonna really call him really quick and i we still have a few things that i want to go over so this is not the end but take a pause go potty get some water uh get some smoke or whatever and we will be right back pussy farts and we're 
back. That was really fucking cool. So we just got off the phone with Mr. Garth of Monsoon Season. Yo, Garth, when you're listening to this, I love you. Show me your toes. Show me your toes. Seriously, I plugged them at the, I think, my very first episode. But seriously, if you're part of the community, go check out Monsoon Season on all socials. They're on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, everything. Um, they did an interview with me a while back that is in my link tree, um, that I will also put in the description. Um, they're a really good example of... Yo, they did my first, like, well, not my first interview as Vertex, but the interview I did with them was the first time I really, like... Got to interview as Vertex. Yeah. Which I think they're a really good example of people just like you that are really trying to... Put a light on more up-and-comers. That's really what they're focused on mm-hmm. is really awesome up-and-coming producers and DJs. They're really big on supporting the LGBTQ and POC community and the females in the scene. Um, I, I, gu- like, I guarantee you if you ask Garth what he thought he was going to be doing when he first got into the scene versus what he's doing now, it's going to be completely different. Oh, I'm <laughs> sure. And actually that was the reason why I, I called him because he had reached out um, about coming on the podcast because I'm really excited to have them on. So we'll be able to actually hear from him and kind of w- how Monsoon Season even came about because they've had a lot of trajectory even since I've known Garth this past year or so. Yo, over the fucking pandemic, the, they, they did some fucking work, yep. dude. Put in a lot of work. A lot of, I, I even found a really cool trap artist because of them, Say Word. Oh, yeah. Do you know? Yeah. I was like, bro, this guy, like, because some of his tracks are primarily trap, but, like, he does a really good job of mixing trap and dubstep. Yep. Um, I think it's communication failure, yeah. if I say word. Yep. Super good example. It's it's my favorite because there's this sample right before it drops. It was like, ew, you make dubstep now? And then it drops into this, like, hybrid of trap and dubstep, and it's just disgusting. It's so fucking good, but... That's the shit I love. Same. I'm more, and that's what's funny because I did start with primarily dubstep. I didn't really uh, know a lot of trap. I think it was one of the Get Luckies um, out at the tent. They had a lot of trap artists, and I was like, I don't know what this shit is, but I like it. And like (laughs) hard trap specifically, which is a mix. (laughs) (laughs) Hard trap is a mix of hard style and trap, but. Even some of that, I'm like, some of this shit goes harder than dubstep, and you can't change my mind. Yeah. You can't. There's some trap that I'm just like, holy fuck. And it really gets the people going, honestly. So check out Monsoon Season, because especially if you're looking for new artists and looking for up-and-comers to support, they're huge with that. If you are an artist yourself, um, I'm working on getting Mother Lotus in contact with them to do some stuff, which I'm super stoked about. And Maybe you guys will see Crystal and Vertex out in Denver one day. Maybe. Who knows? Mm. Who knows? Because they be are. Um, that sounds nice, though. I'm that sounds it. nice. Mm. Well, because I'm pretty sure they are Denver-based, but they work with people all across the country. Yeah, like the tour that mm-hmm. he's doing for Citrix right now. Like, Citrix is based out of Ohio. Yeah, like he has. Yo, that fucking set he did at Black Void was wild, son. Was I there? Was that yes. one of the ones I was at? Yeah, that's Word. where you met Garth. Word. Yeah. I Well, because we, Garth is similar to you. Like our connection started over social media. Um, Yo, Garth's one of the first people I've ever met where I'm just like, oh, you're weird like me. Dope. I love Garth. Well, 
And I'm pretty sure they found me and reached out to me organically. And I remember feeling so like, oh, like you want to, you want me to do a guest mix? Like you guys want to talk to me? Like it was just, it's really cool. They really are big supporters of, uh, for lack of a better term, the little guys coming up in the scene. And I'm really excited to watch them grow. Do you mean the baby DJs? That's exactly what we are. Baby DJs. The infants. Yeah. I am still myself a baby DJ, which... I don't know. I feel like I'm going to look back on these years, like five plus years from now and be like, damn, damn. Like, cause you can only, when you only have so many years under your belt, even now I look back at the beginning of my journey and I'm like, I can't believe how much I genuinely have grown. But like to think of what it's going to be like in five plus years to look back, like, damn, what is that like for you? Fucking crazy. Is it? it? Did you ever think like, that you'd be when in I was, these positions? When I was doing and, like, talking to John Cameron, the dude who uh, wrote my bio, he's like, well, tell me some of your accomplishments. And I'm going over, like, yeah, I played at the Salt Palace regularly. I played it in the venue regularly. played at Saltair regularly. And I'm just like, damn, if you would have told me 10 years ago when I was first starting out that I'd be able to do all this shit at the level I've been able to do it, I'd have been like, no fucking way. No way. And I think that's, like... What would you say are the traits that got you to this point? Like, what does it, what does it take? What did it take for you? I am very fucking persistent. (laughs) Persistence is key. Yeah. Like, a lot of people have hit me up and be like, well, how do I start getting shows? Like, I've emailed promoters and they're telling me no. I'm like, well, did you follow up? Mm -hmm. And more often than not, they're like, no, I never got an email back. And it's like, you can keep, like, correspondence with them. Just because they didn't email you back this one time doesn't mean they're not, like, paying attention to what you're doing. Absolutely. Like, Absolutely. even for, like, record labels and stuff, people think, oh, well, this label turned down a track this style, and I have a track that's a different style, but I don't think they're going to like it. Like, no, fucking send that shit anyways. The worst that, the worst thing that can happen is that you're told no, right? That's yeah. the worst that could happen. Yeah, you're already expecting a no. Yeah, so why not just shoot your fucking shot, and if it, like, keep shooting your shot, like, keep, and... Chances are even if one person or one venue or one label doesn't want whatever it is you're doing, if you, there's something for everybody and people are working with so many different things that it's like you can find somewhere. Yeah, you can find an avenue. Like Absolutely. Absolutely. I think one of the biggest things for me is that I learned pretty early that if I want to do anything mildly like cool in this scene, I have to be the one that like takes the initial step for it like I've never been afraid at like even going back to when I was selling tickets like I was messaging random companies on MySpace and being like hey I want to sell tickets for your show what MySpace days yeah oh (laughs) (laughs) shout out utahraves.com so back in the day word let me put my teeth in for this Back in my day, kids. Um, so we had a website called utahraves.com. It was like a message board kind of thing. Okay. But that's where January 1st, they'd be like, all right, here's your date yeah, your date claim calendar. Okay. Every promoter, get your shows that you're doing lined up, claim your dates here. So we would, Wild. We would know the dates for Get Freaky in January. Weird. Yeah. That, like, that's interesting. <laughs> I didn't realize that that was a thing. And that's how, like, a lot of the scene, like, how we knew each other. The same way we have groups on Facebook. Right. It would be, oh, well, this person posts a lot on Utah Raves. That's kind of, like, where 
a lot of the older ravers know me from was just like shit posting on there. Which a lot of people know you now from shit posting on Facebook. So that, it, it that's works. where I, that's where I cut my teeth and learned like <laughs> like part of re- your branding almost to be honest because yeah, you're my, just being you. Yeah, my like entire brand is just like shit posting until I make it. I'm gonna shit post my heart into every, <laughs> or my shit post my way into the hearts of everybody. <laughs> you're making me cough. Have <laughs> <laughs> you tried not coughing? Fuck you. <laughs> That's so fucking funny. Uh, I love that. It's crazy just, like, the amount of change that has happened. Because, I mean, EDM has, as we've talked about in this episode, it's been around for a long time. But, like, even just since I started to watch the way things have kind of evolved has been really crazy. And I'm sure it's a lot different for up-and-coming artists now than it was before. So what would what do you think would be like the biggest tips for people that either are just getting started or want to start and just don't really know, um, have I, any direction? I would say message me and I'm more than happy to talk to you. Tim Zipperstein. Yep. You can find me. I'm the only dude that looks like me more often than not. Well, and I don't know any other Zipperstein's at all. Like yeah, that last name is not common. No, it, no, it sounds made up. It, it does. <laughs> No, I mean, if you're, like, just barely getting into the scene, you're like, hey, I want to start DJing, um, start looking into music. And by that, like, I don't mean just, like, I like dubstep, so I'm going to learn to mix dubstep. Like, it definitely, you'll end up thanking yourself a lot more later if you're, like, I'm going to do house into drum and bass into fucking trance into mid-tempo. I think, well, and that. It's overwhelming, but once you get a feel for how how different genres work, Mm -hmm. you can kind of figure out, okay, well, I'm not really that big into house music, but I do like me some bass house, so I can throw that in. And because it's the same tempo as some of my trap tracks, I can mix those in as well. Logan does that a lot too. Yep. The bass house. Shout out to the, shout out to the people that are doing like 100 to 130 BPM trap shit. Yeah, that's see, and that's something Shit that makes I me squirt. <laughs> well, and that's something that Logan is super good at that I am still working on as far as those BPMs specifically. I mean, when I have people ask me, <laughs> <laughs> I just hit <laughs> puberty. Yep. Oh my god! Damn, I felt your my balls, balls dropped. <laughs> oh, I love well, that. Well, good podcast, everybody. All right, that's it. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Um, but even with the knowledge that I have, like when people are first starting out or people are wanting to learn, cause we have a friend that we met at Singularity that he's been producing for a while, really way far, farther along in producing than we are. But as far as mixing, didn't have a lot of knowledge. Like he has, he has a, a board and everything. Like he has the stuff for it. So oh, we went over and oh, I remember what I was going to say, say it. Um, so when, specifically when it comes to mixing, it looks overwhelming. It looks like a fucking spaceship cockpit. Especially if you look at like CDJs or bigger types of decks oh, yeah. first. Like, don't do that. The to first yourself. time I got <laughs> in a pair in front of a pair of CDJs at like oh god, at Guitar Center. That <laughs> you can go practice there. Yeah, just saying. That, you that's can go. what I did. I became friends with the manager there because I remember of that. You saying yep, that? That's yep. one of the homies. But it looks way more intimidating than it actually is and every button that you look at and every knob has a function yep. it is a machine and you are a person with opposable thumbs so it's you're 
you're more afraid of it than it is afraid of you. Absolutely. Well, and a lot of people think, like, when you're looking, so I have a, is it an SB4? The Pioneer? Yeah. Yeah, so it's really awesome. I would actually really recommend that even for what's just starting out. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, when you're first starting out, I would recommend not to focus on all the knobs and the levels. Like, you're not even going to touch those when you're first starting out. No. At least that's what I did. The way I teach people is... I will, I will put buttons. Yep. Cues. You're going to hit play when I tell you to hit play. And when, just, once we do that for a day, the next time you come over, okay, now we're going to work on what cueing is. I like that. When you get that down, like I do all the like stuff with the jog wheels and all the EQing right. and all that. It's just to get them in the habit of, okay, one, two, three, four, and hit play. Yep. <clears throat> Beat matching. Yep. Why do we both have to like, do we both need to like, <coughs> We both keep having fucking issues, man. It's okay. It's that goddamn coffee. Um, really, though. Well, and that's, you're not using most of the deck when you're first starting out. So the no, biggest thing that no, I was I taught. Li- I limit people so much. As like you should. You, it you, makes it less intimidating and you can yeah, learn quicker. Yeah. Um, and I'll have them, we don't even use headphones until they're like two months in. And they, I didn't use headphones yeah, for a we'll long put, time. We put the headphones like on the mixer so they can hear what's kind of going on and we'll keep like the master at a lower level so they can kind of hear what I'm doing when I'm queuing. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But it also teaches them to use their ears too because they're able to hear mm-hmm. when both channels are up and they can like poke their head poke their head down at the headphones and be like, oh, that's off beat. And it makes them right. have to realize like, hey, you hit the cue off beat, you need to move the track that you're bringing in back a little bit. Yep, and that's where jog, which, and I didn't even uh, know how to properly use jog wheels for a little bit and get comfortable with those for Um, a while. And that's one thing I hate about Pioneers. A lot of them don't have the jog wheel tighten and adjust like CDJs do. Like, using, like, a controller that doesn't have that, I feel like I fucking fling the jog wheels because I'm so used to having them, like, super tight. Well, and our jog wheels on our mixer compared to the CDJs are a lot different too. So, like, the biggest thing the when I was first starting was making sure that you have the same BPM, which is essentially just for lack of explaining, just like the speed of the track, the tempo of the track. Yo. Um. So. <laughs> what? So. Damn. All right. Damn. <laughs> when I first learned, we put tape over the screen so you could train your ear for beat matching better that's a good idea me and Haley were just talking about doing that that would be cool yeah it it trains you to know because it was just over the bpm part so you had to like you you could still see the wavelengths and stuff yeah right so you're not like as terrified but eventually we put tape and like paper over the whole fucking screens and it that would be good to hone your craft this is also like 12 years ago so like the cdj 2000s had like just fucking came out like i hadn't even i think i saw him at a show after i had already been playing out for a while damn and like people weren't even using usbs yet everybody was still using cds the way i used to do it was i would take a cd and i would put one track on it kind of like if you're buying a vinyl of like a specific song yep that makes sense so it was easy like you can hit like skip track and it's not going to do anything because there's another track yeah that makes sense so as far as like bpms like 75 is always going to go with 75 they're the same number right yeah but 
70 half of 150 is 75 yep. so you can mix 150 and 75 so like um that's why i hate mixing drum and bass as much as i love that genre because these motherfuckers are all over the place as far as their bpm oh my range. god i've <laughs> never had to do more fucking multiplication and division than playing drum and bass well and You'll find those certain weird people like Guppy is a good example of this. Where Yo, the BPMs Guppy, of one song. Let me drink your floor juice. <laughs> I love Guppy. He's in my basement and he's coming for dinner. And he's coming for dinner. I'm gonna I'm gonna try and be like, hey man, we talked about you in this podcast. If you want to check it out. <laughs> um, but Subtronics has talked about his tracks and how hard it can be to mix certain ones because you can have just one single track jump from different BPMs in different portions of the song. And like mixing stuff like that is a whole different ball game. But yeah, I would definitely say focusing on making sure you're mixing the same BPMs, but also key is a really big deal. And sometimes no. you I, don't think so. No. That was the biggest thing that I kept getting feedback on when I first started was key. Make yeah. sure you're in key. The only people that complain about that are nerds. Are nerds. Word. Good like, to know. Yeah, like... I don't even pay attention to key. If I'm doing a mix, that's one thing because mm -hmm. I know people are going to be like in the comfort of their own homes listening. Or if I'm mixing like trance. Word. Okay. Then you kind of pay attention more. Yeah. As far as like live shows and stuff. Fuck no. Well, and it's harder. Like you have to you've go into a specific part seen, of the CDJ yeah. to see the, the keys of those. You've anyways. watched me mix. It's fucking chaotic. It is. I've watched this <laughs> motherfucker. One of the first times he came over to mix, he <laughs> he literally was dropping his files from his USB down in to the fucking channel as he was mixing. And for people who don't mix, they probably have no idea what the fuck that means. But it was the weirdest thing to watch because he'd be mixing one and then have to go into these files and then drop a song down and then hurry and transition. And he was fucking flawless. I was like, how fuck can you mold and like it comes with practice and that, that's kind of like the biggest thing there people don't realize when you're first starting out you're gonna fucking suck and oh, it's yeah. super disheartening at first because you're can like be for sure i i just want to quad drop quad drop rhythm tracks and like blah, blah, blah. but yeah. like you have to get over that initial hump of like mm -hmm. sucking well and like you're gonna sound bad for the first year well, and there's been times where, like, I'm tr when I first was starting where I was trying to do a specific type of transition, and in my head, mm -hmm. I could hear it the way it was supposed to be, but because I only had so much knowledge of how to make it happen that way, mm -hmm. it wouldn't work out that way. And, like, I don't know. I guess I should give myself a pat on the back because listening back to my very first, like, there was a reason why I created my SoundCloud the exact same day that I got my mixer. Um, the exact day I got it, I made my Grizztronics and Hero Bus mashup, Dumblet. And that thing is still getting plays on it. And it, I was so shocked because it genuinely was SoundCloud worthy. And like listening to some of my old mixes, like I wanted to put stuff out there at the beginning of my journey so people could see like, and I'm sure not everybody takes the initiative to go back and see that. But for the people who have been there at the beginning, you can genuinely hear my progress but even back then there was a lot of uh parts and some of my old mixes that I was like damn that shit still slaps like that yeah. shit was like genuinely still good and then you still have your parts where it's like yeah you were kind of just trying to <laughs> fit that in <laughs> a little bit but like well, it's like I was telling you and Logan like 
you are never gonna see yourself DJ from the perspective of the audience. No, and that motherfucking blew my mind. A- Ace Aura fucking tweeted that, and I had to like get off of Twitter for a day because I was just like, "Yo, I've been doing this shit for eleven years now, and I've never." seen me play from the perspective of somebody that's like absolutely of somebody that's going to their show for a first time just a random yeah and i think that's what makes it so special when people do come and give you feedback on your sets right oh that's dude the closest i've, glimpse you're I've gonna had get. people this year come up well maybe not this year but like definitely 2019 come up to me and be like i saw you play in 2014 and you made me want to start djing i love that yeah and that's that like Fuck the crowds. Fuck yeah. all the SoundCloud plays and Spotify plays. Yeah. That shit is why I do this. See, and yeah, and I think that's why we all connect in the way we do because it just we just have such a passion for it between the music and being able to play for people and make, like, that was my whole thing when I first started. I want to make people feel something because yeah. that was going to shows was my escape from so many things. And I was able to feel things that I never thought I'd be able to feel just because of the way somebody decided to compile songs. Yeah. Like literally like so simple. Somebody <laughs> was just like, Hey, these saw waves sound good together. And you're just like, yes. And then it creates like a whole experience. And that's, that's what I think sets apart certain artists because yeah, there's a time and a place where I do just want to fucking rage face. And I do want all these drops and I want to fucking, get out all my energy but then there's times when I crave the emotional side of music and that's why I like to mix the melodic and heavy like like when I start producing music it's gonna be melodic dubstep melodic trap like specifically I really want to work within melodic trap because it just that yo if you can make something like fucking sharks or ace aura (laughs) or like chime like oh ace aura is a beast i got to see him for the first time ever at singularity and i was blown the fuck away blown the fuck away like i had seen his name but i never really looked into him a whole lot and now he's touring actually with level up on word i love that he's actually uh touring with level up this fall for her tour which is really sad she won't be out here in salt lake but it's okay I'll forgive it this time around, I guess. Oh, no. When they're So here's the little known fact that people don't know. Um, when you see artists and they're going on tours and they're not coming to your city, we do that on purpose. I would actually like you to dive into <laughs> that because, so for example, before I let you do your thing, a lot of people when shows started coming back because COVID was dying down, so many people specifically on Twitter were throwing a bitch fit. Because they all were like, well, you guys are booking the same fucking artist. Oh, my fucking Contracts. God. Yo. Contracts. Everybody that was complaining about, well, this lineup is the exact same as it was in 2019. And it's just like, yo, guys, like, every festival is contracted out and the artists are booked six months before you even exactly. see a flyer. The reason we do, like, teaser shit where we're only releasing a couple artists at a time is because... Ticket sales are a thing. Yep. And when we do the initial artist drop, when we release tickets, the artists that we announce are because we know those are the people that have the most draw. Right. Well, and there's also, on top of that, each specific artist, I'm not sure exactly the contract, but I saw it being talked about in the Utah Rave Fam group where they can only be booked out in the same vicinity. Yeah, so certain festivals have radius clauses. That's what it is, a radius clause. Which... 
are necessary for some artists because I get it. Like if you are going to a show to see Travis Scott in Miami, Florida, you kind of don't have a reason to go see him again in Orlando. Yeah. So a radius clause protects the festival from an artist kind of like double dipping into the market. That makes sense. That said, when you see radius clauses for local artists, you're only hurting the artist. Because there's no reason gotcha. why somebody with less than 10,000 followers or that's getting that doesn't have a manager, there's no reason why they should have a radius clause. Any that festival sense, that sure. does that can suck my dick from the back. Suck my dick from the yeah. back. Yeah. And if you don't <laughs> and if you don't like what I have to say about radius clauses for locals, you can take it up with my penis. Well, and I don't know. I just, <coughs> I trust your word over anybody else's for good reason, I think. Like, you you have good intentions for the scene. All you ever have tried to do is uplift other artists and help people succeed. Um, yeah, and and you know the business. You've yeah, worked well, in it well, for so long. Yeah, and that's the thing. Is like, I know the scene here. Like Absolutely. The people that are, like, making waves now are people I've been friends with for the past five, six, ten years. Yeah, Like, absolutely. I don't think... There's, like, one local artist on the DOS lineup that I, like, am not familiar with. Definitely, yeah. Everybody that's playing on the stage I'm playing on are people I've known for the past fucking decade. Well, and I want to talk about that, too, because I think a lot of people, I've seen a lot of people kind of complain about the DOS lineup a little bit. it's only Utah people. And it's only Utah people. Every person from, like, Seattle and Portland, Miami, that's hit me up about it has been like, yo, that lineup is fucking wild. It's because a lot of people, especially because the stage you're playing on, the inside stage, oh, yeah, that's I like, can't remember what they called it, but it's basically for like pioneers. Yeah, it's the Rewind stage. Yeah. So, it's, so you have people like AK-1200, DJ Icy, Keith McKenzie, Diesel Boy. I'm excited uh, for Diesel Boy. Yo, Diesel I'm Boy I'm so stoked for Diesel fucks. Boy. Um, but it's all people that like when the scene was in its like infancy, like late 90s oh yeah even like early 90s those are the people that were there like pushing shit forward like ak1200 was one of the first headliners i ever saw out here yep well and a lot of the baby ravers out here god again a lot of the baby ravers out here uh because they're not knowledgeable they have no idea so for them they're like who the fuck are these people this sucks but it's like no like I think it's really going to be good for our culture for that to be a thing. And I I feel like that's part of the reason why they probably did it, uh, to pay homage to those pioneers. And isn't it so cool that you are part of that? Like, it, like, it, as much as I did want the beach, like, I at first when I found out I was playing inside, I was like, damn, I wanted the fucking beach so bad. Because I've played on the beach before, and it's fucking fun. Oh, yeah, the, definitely. The bugs are buzzing, and, like, people are trying to <laughs> slap mosquitoes, but, like, as I've seen, because I played, like, the first iterate, well, not the first iteration of DOS, but in the 2000s, like, what we know now is DOS Energy, I played right. the first and the second one. So seeing yeah. it go from what it was to what it's become, and we're now, like, a staple in, in the, the festival th- circuit, Yeah, I could not be more proud of Jeremy and Brandon for the work they've done. Oh, really, though? Because, I mean... I think when I first started, like, when I would talk to ravers out of state, like, a lot of people were really kind of shocked the kind of scene that we have out here and that it is grown a lot. Bro, when I went to Washington for the first time, people were, like, surprised that I wasn't Mormon. Oh, and and (laughs) you get that, like, that's just, like, a 
thing in general. Being like the from first Utah. thing somebody asked me was like, how many wives you got? Well, but that's what I think is so cool about the rave scene. Cause I know people who are LDS that rave that love the culture I've met. I've met people who are in the military of all different branches that go to raves. Like I've met, I think <laughs> my favorite thing ever is <laughs> I remember one of the times, I think it was at a DOS, one of the festivals at the Saltair, but I was just talking to a stranger conversating and um, they asked me what I did for work. And at that time I was an assistant manager for a group home for aut autistic boys. And you're sitting here at a festival. <laughs> I'm, I'm on probably acid. Probably. And <laughs> this, this guy that I'm talking to, who was also, I think he was tripping on uh, mushrooms or something, but he was a fucking school teacher. Yeah. And the nicest guy, like, we're not sitting and doing these these drugs and stuff, like, when we go to work. Like, we're responsible, but I think there's this stigma that if you go to raves or play part in this community that you're this loser that doesn't have anything to live for and you just waste your money on drugs and festivals. And oh, it's like, the there are some awesome people The in amount this of fucking community. lawyers I know that go to shows. Oh, yeah. That oh, get yeah. shirtless and just Rage dudes face. are, like, tits out. I love it. I, like, That's why I think it makes our community so cool because well, you find people from all walks of life. Well, especially in Utah, there is a very strong counterculture that people on if you're not like in the in the know, <laughs> like you don't necessarily realize it. But like the art communities here, the art community here is huge. The Absolutely. music community outside of dance music is huge. Yep. There are shows consistently now that like we can have concerts again, like. I don't think I've seen a f like a weekend where there's not something going on. Yep, I agree. Like even stuff that's like not regardless announced. of like, how big or small, there's <clears throat> shit popping all the time. One thing I will bitch about for a second: our lack of music venues. I don't like that we don't have a ton of venue space here. We don't. We like, really don't. It, like going back. Oh God, I'm so fucking old. <laughs> like when I first got into the sh like scene. There were, sh like, we used to have Saltair shows at least once a month during the summer. Right, yeah, there was always something. They used to have, um, well, and there used to be uh, Lights Out Live, too. And oh, they're dude. no longer a thing. Prior to them, back when they were, like, back when it was Imagine, we used to do right. shows, at the like, in the basement of the Salt Palace and do fucking, like, 8,000 people. We've been in that basement, and it, it's, that's fucking wild. Yeah, <laughs> like That's where we used to do Mardi Gras. Damn. Mardi Gras, Naughty or Nice. Um, Naughty or Nice was... One year we did shit, shit at the fairgrounds. See, yeah, I just... And that's the thing that I have noticed as far as, like, I keep comparing Arizona because the only out-of-state shows I've been to is Lost Lands in Ohio, and then I've been to shows out in Arizona, but... Motherfucker, we're going to Seattle. I'll, I would love that. Yo, Seattle is a fucking festival disguised as a city. Is it? Oh, That's my so God. Cool. I have never been more exhausted. Some of the shows they're announcing out there, like, I don't know if you saw the one that has Charles the First on the yeah. lineup. I can't remember what that show's called, but it's in, it's over Halloween and our friend. Oh, no, that's a uh, Portland. That it, oh, that is Portland, Yeah, with fucking Eprim. Huh? Yeah, dude. Yeah, we're going to try and see if we can make that happen when yeah, we I'm go out and visit some friends. Yeah, I'm definitely, like, highly considering it because Charles the First fucking fucks. Oh, my. I would love to see him live. I I would kill for that. Like, and that's another um, Logan because he works at Maverick. Yeah. And 
he can play whatever music he wants <laughs> while he's in there. So Tell he, him to play happy hardcore. <laughs> <laughs> he was playing Charles the First one day, and some lady was in there, and she kind of stopped for a second. He could tell she was listening, and when she came up to check out, he was like, what is this that you're playing? Like, And she loved it, and it's very... I highly recommend looking up Charles the First. It's all one word. His Out of the Dark set on YouTube. Yep. It's all his original music. Um, and that's all he ever plays, I think, for the most part, is his original stuff. And he's done a lot of work. Um, I think he just had a new album come out not too long ago. That is yeah. really awesome. Um, I can't remember if the album name is Solace, but there's a single on there. He's got Solace. a side project that's really good, too. I just can't remember the name of it right now. He does? Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah, it's fucking tight. It's kind of the same way I didn't know for a long time that Porter Robinson was also virtual self. Yeah, I mean, everybody's <laughs> got side projects. Well, and I think, see, that's the thing, too. We're talking about letting artists be creative, but I also understand because Porter Robinson made such a very specific sound and experience with that alias. I'm going to cut you off here for a second. Yo, motherfucking Porter used to make Electro House. Really? Yep. Back in the day, he like if you look up Wildcat or anything prior to, oh, what was that fucking album? Uh, oh god, fuck it. I'm getting. You're like, out. I'm gonna look it yeah. up. Fuck it, do it. Uh. Um. <laughs> you're like, um um uh, intermission uh. intermission. Oh fuck. Um, but while you're looking that up, he. Like, I kind of understand why he felt like in order to pursue something different, he had to kind of make a side project as virtual self. Um, so as much as I am like, let artists do what they want as they want with their under a certain project, I understand when there's a point where you can only grow so much. Did you find it? Yeah, it's called Spitfire. Anything prior to Spitfire, Porter was doing like Electro House. And he was like one Is of that the stuff still out. Like, can I find it? Yeah, but Porter went on Twitter and said it's not canon. <laughs> so it's like it's pre Porter Robinson. Oh, okay. Like okay. the what's the fat blue thing he has? Fat blue thing. Yeah, the little fucking character. Oh, I don't know. He does. He uses a lot of anime type stuff for his shit. I don't know what that blue character is. I, I'll send some on my phone. See, he blue was, guy. <laughs> we're gonna look that up too. It's fine. What the fuck is? Yeah, this fucking thing. Oh, I wish I could show you guys a picture. I don't know what his name yeah, is. Yeah, I can't remember the name of him, but he did a set as that for his virtual... Um, virtual self stuff? No, for the online festival he did during COVID. Oh, for Secret Sky? Yeah, Secret oh, okay. Sky. Yep. He did a set in the fucking suit. <laughs> I'm mad I missed that now. But it's all like old, like Complexro and Electro House. So for me, that's kind of like where I cut my teeth and like where I was getting like the yeah. most recognition and, like, the best set reactions. So that's what I did for, fuck, two and a half, three years before I started doing breakbeats. When did, did you always work with Trap, or was that? Oh, no. Like, when did you kind of that was after that I moved, direction? Yo, that was, like, when I moved to Seattle. When I started, Word. When I started working for Foundation, which, pff, those fucking dudes. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, that, I, I was responsible for helping the social media team uh, promote their Wednesday night, which, ironically... Sky's Wednesday night is also bass music, yep. but we had a night called Substance Wednesdays. Substance Wednesdays. <coughs> I like that. That was where I saw Yuki for the first time. I saw Delta Heavy. I still have yet to see them, and I would Yo, love that. Yo, which one? 
Delta Heavy. Yo. Is that just one person or is that a duo? Um, I believe it's a duo. Word. I don't know Word. if the duo both does sets together, but I'm well, pretty sure. Well, Zed's dead. They're a duo, but like over quarantine and stuff because they were separated, separated they kind of had to do just one of them would play for them, like for the Insomniac live streams and stuff. They did they did some fucking live set where one of them was dressed like a fucking Power Ranger. Zed's dead did? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, not exactly like a Power Ranger, but he, like, was in, like, <laughs> silver or some shit. <laughs> he looked like a fucking Power Ranger villain. That's one of my, that's one of my favorites, too, is Zed's dead. They're fucking, and they've been around, like, there's, I don't know, it's crazy, because I have been in the scene long enough that I've the f- seen, like, the people that I started with are now, like, the pioneers. Zed's dead was one of the headliners for the first DOS. It was Zed's yeah. dead and Betty Madassi and Fetty Legrand. Damn. On with Benny Benassi, that's crazy. Yeah, back when, like, so this was shortly after, this was, like, two or three years after the uh, Skrillex remix of Cinema came out, and Benny was playing out that. Word. Instead of his own original. Yeah. (laughs) I feel that. Why would you? Well, (laughs) and if Skrillex is going to, like, I don't know how much bigger Skrillex was than Benny Benassi at that time, but I I hold Skrillex higher than. Tremendously bigger. Okay, I I thought so. I thought so. If we go back to, like, (laughs) 2008, 2009, Benny was king, but it's like once Skrillex dropped his fucking scary monsters and nice sprites and game like, over. yeah, game over. Well, and it's crazy to see how dubstep has evolved from that type of sound to now because, like, when I first started mixing, I was playing a lot of like who's a good example, like Ricky Son type dubstep, like, and Tazoki still kind of has that vibe, even though he's evolved a lot, but it was a different type of dubstep that I don't even know how to describe. Like, now it's really evolved into a whole beast of its own, where... Oh, so, like, Skrillex is kind of responsible for, like, the bro step takeover. That would Once he, like, came in and it was all, like, mid-range, mm-hmm. where it's a lot of, like, growly and talking bass lines, like, it was fucking yep. game over. Yep, it's it's really because I miss a lot of that kind of dubstep. So the artists that kind of work that in with the new age stuff, like I really enjoy, and that's kind of that's how I, I felt about say word and some of his yeah, stuff. That's why I fuck with hybrid trap because I love like the sound exactly. design of it. Yeah, it's just I don't know. It's a whole different. That, that's I keep coming back to this. Like there's so much you can find within these genres that it's like. I still, like, you can be in the scene for years and years and years, and you will keep finding things that you're like, what the fuck is that? Yeah. What is that? Like, that is unlike anything I've ever heard. It just keeps evolving. And I, because, like, I used to, like, House was just, like, really the only EDM I was really familiar with. Because you, even club nights when there's not, uh, it's not an EDM night, you hear a lot of House. So much House. And a lot of EDM. And I, when I was working at Sky, I remember working, like, Fridays and Saturdays, and a DJ would throw on something, like, some Joyride or something. And I'm like, huh? I guarantee you there's some motherfuckers in here that talk shit on this genre, but you're out there shaking your ass anyways because cool. they don't know what it is. Yeah. They don't understand. Um, but it's easy to dance to. Absolutely. Boots and cats and boots and cats and boots and cats and boots and cats. It's just Black lady like singing. A, Black lady yeah, singing. Yeah. <laughs> like it's just and that's like there I don't I wish I knew what the song was but there's cuz I've recently will have to listen to the radio on one of our cars that we have cuz it doesn't have bluetooth or anything and iPhone we get sucks it. and has you have my two adapter cars. 
But um, there's this one song that I have heard pretty much every time I've turned the radio on, and it's so house-oriented. That yeah. same beats per minute, the same everything. And I'm just like, do you guys even know? Do you even realize? Like, <laughs> I just – I hope that there's a lot of people that listen to this that end up going and kind of trying to explore like who are your favorite artists right now oh my god let's, let's oh, do something fuck. it's hard i know every time people are like what are your top artists i'm like fuck don't do this to me because i can't pick a favorite i cannot i will not all right so i sent over a list to a promoter friend of mine of like who would be good artists to get out either for their like first second or third time that aren't going to be like wildly fucking expensive right um my dude fucking vrg if you're not familiar with vrg the shit he is a vrg and ydg yep both of them yep um vrg's put out shit on subsidia he's got a ton of fucking like originals that he's just released on his own that are phenomenal absolutely um my dude gom gom freaking logan you put him on Tagam, and I'm blown away by him, too. Yep, every track he puts out is fucking fire. I think he's playing Beyond Wonderland SoCal. So if you're in the area or you're going out to go um, Beyond Wonderland, him. go see Gom. Yeah, old, absolutely. Yep. My motherfucking dude, Ruvlo. Ruvlo's a good one. Too. Well, and ha- hasn't he been in the scene for a while, too? Um, I think so, yeah. I might be thinking of Rusko, though, too. Oh, yeah. You're d- <laughs> I'm th- I think I'm thinking yeah. of Rusko. Yeah. Um, Which, hey, shout out to Rusko, too. I don't know how you got a visa to be a DOS, but good on you and your team, dude. <laughs> well, and I've seen him once before, and he's so much fun. Yeah. So much fun. Um, He fucking does the chicken dance. The chicken dance. <laughs> um, Best legs in the industry. <laughs> <laughs> I... Uh, out of the artist tattooed on my body, Alice in Wonderland, my girl. She's a pioneer for women in the industry. Um, as far as females go, uh, Alice in Wonderland, whipped cream, blew my mind when I saw her get freaky. Um, level up, obviously, got to support her. Um, but even, like, smaller ones, like Green Matter, she's starting to yeah, break she, into the scene. Yeah, she's she, killer. She just, um, she just got... Onto Electric Hawk on their management yeah, team. Yeah, she just barely announced which, that. Which shout out to that entire fucking team because it's Electric mostly Hawk is dope. Yep, it's mostly ran by women. It really is. I one of the girls that we went to school with. She was working with them. I don't know if she still does, but she just moved because she got hired on for uh, Wakan. Oh yeah, Brianna. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she used to work with me over at V two too. Yeah. So and literally all of Wakan, like Lucy is amazing. Oh yeah. Uh, LS Dream. Champagne drip. They're awesome. Ooh, somebody you might not know is Pony. It's P-O-N-I. Pony. Yeah, she's fucking wild. Word. She's going to be making some gnarly fucking waves. Or uh, Tsunami just had a big release on Bitbird, which is yep. San Holo's label. Bitbird, yeah. And San Holo, I have a tattoo for him. I have a tattoo for Dabin. Um, which, which, like, shout out to fucking Bitbird. Every time I go on their SoundCloud and just click a track, I'm just like, Damn, you guys are sitting on hits and yep. hits and hits. Well, and they're such a, they're like an alternative EDM kind of. Oh, yeah. Like it's, it, their their releases are interesting. And I think that has a lot to do because obviously San Holo plays a lot of guitar, a lot of live music yeah. aspects to his stuff. So they definitely are killing shit. Uh, Subtronics label. Um, Cyclops. Cyclops. Cyclops recording. They are just cranking shit out right now. Like the coolest artists, like 
so many different types of artists out there. Um, I'll say locally, um, Wolfick, VRZ, Friendzone, even though uh, Jesse's about to move to they Texas. They are moving, yeah, yeah. the Friendzone's dope. Um, Wolfick and VRZ both sent me a bunch of unreleased stuff just to play out, and holy shit. Killing shit. Oh, my God. Love that. Yeah. I love that. And my girl, Audio. Shout out to Audrey. Word. I was going to ask you, because uh, we've talked about her a little bit, Nala. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's on the lineup for Dawson. Yes. What does she play? House. What is she about? She, yeah, she's she, a house girl? Yep, or she's a dirty bird. Is she local here, too, then? She is not. Okay. But... I was wondering about her, because I, I, I love the Lion King. Yeah, she so. was one of the people I had to look up, because it was just like, damn. Who you got that? Yeah, you got some fucking bangers. Word. I'll have to look into her. Yeah. I was just talking about her on Twitter to my dude, uh, Alex Amaro. Word. Yeah, she, I'm excited. I'm just excited to see so many more females on lineups with stuff. Like, it makes my heart really happy. Um, to give you guys uh, a little bit of insight, every time I end the podcast, the way I end it is I say, stay safe, stay beautiful, and remember there's always another day. And I do that because I have a tattoo on my neck. It's really tiny scripture, but it says always another day. That is actually a Dabin song. Um, from his Wild Youth album. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and that album came out. All of all of these artists that I talk about that are so near and dear to my heart, this is why I talk about divine timing all the time because a lot of their albums really came out at times when I needed the message so much, and Wild Youth is really all about growing pains. Like, nobody really talks about how hard it kind of is to transition from being a kid to being an adult and how confusing it can be and... None of us know what the fuck we're doing. Not dog. You can you think that these adults out here know what they're doing? They don't fucking know. They yeah, don't like, know any more than you. Yeah. 15 years really isn't that long of a time. And going from like 15 to 30 where I'm at now, yeah. if you would have told me at 15 that I would be playing one of Utah's biggest festivals and doing a whole bunch of side shit that I'm not going to mention. And this is your multiple, like, you've already played this festival a few yeah. times. So to If you would have told me I would have been DJing, I'd have been like, my parents got me the fucking turntables. <laughs> they finally <laughs> caved. But, like, you're going to do so much growing as Absolutely. a person. If you're trying to get into music, like, the shit that you're doing now, more than likely, won't be what you're trying to do. Like, I agree with that. I never would have thought I would have been like a social media manager or a, right. or like a low level manager, like D list manager at that. Yeah. Well, yeah, because unfortunately from us, you're not getting paid for being a manager. But no, I wouldn't ask for payment well, for you guys. That's what I've loved. I love about Tim so much because every time we're like, "Fuck!" Like we, I want to show our appreciation for you. Like we're gonna take you out to dinner. Like we got to do something. No. He's just like, "No, just." Take the knowledge that I've given you and help somebody else one day. Because he's like, I know you guys will. And that's what I love so much about you is you genuinely are just trying to help people. And you know that it'll domino effect. And actually, what's really cool about that, Caden Cooper, which shout out yeah. to <laughs> him, Cyberbullies. He is a house duo as well. He's I love Caden. Um, Caden, you're the cutest. He is the cutest. We love Caden. But he let me because he has cdjs and so he's let me and logan go over there to practice and one of the times we were over there i was just thanking him for letting me come and, and practice and how much it, we really appreciated it and he was like that was the biggest things i learned from tim actually is yeah. just helping people like just just to help yeah just because and my my dad actually talked about it when he had our artist jade lewis um he had her on his podcast for her birthday and 
he was talking about like the amazing things that can happen if you just help somebody out. Cause even though she's not in music, like she did try to apprentice at a different tattoo shop before she found Highline and she was, she couldn't afford it because they were going to make her pay all these things to apprentice all these things. And my dad saw so much potential in her and what she could be that they just helped her. And now she is just killing shit. Like she, she's almost more popular than the tattoo shop itself. Yeah, like she, she's crazy. I was going through her Instagram and like, damn. She's insane. Like if you need, if she's booked out for a while, but even like digital art stuff, if you, she's I'm gonna have on her my tattoo logo, a butthole on my nipples. She would love that. <laughs> She'd be like, all right, we're doing this. But it's just incredible the things that can happen by just helping yeah. and not expecting my, anything in return. My biggest thing is, like, I've positioned myself pretty, like, decent in the Utah scene and, like, a little yeah. bit outside of that. So if I can have a hand in helping the people that I think, well, the people that I can, like, see really, like, strong potential in, if I can right. have a hand in, like, guiding them along the right paths and like yeah. not falling into the pitfalls that I've fallen into that I've seen right. other artists fall into and they're able to go forth and put themselves in a position where they're at where I'm at absolutely at the end of the day that is all I fucking want yeah absolutely well and before we wrap things up too like what do you think some of those pitfalls are that people should avoid um definitely partying too hard it's hard not to like I could see that. Yeah, for it's sure. hard not getting like nervous before you're playing a show and like not drinking a little bit too much mm-hmm. or getting done playing a phenomenal show and you're just like, I'm going to party my dick off. But like, you'll burn out quick doing yeah. that. A lot of artists, that's why a lot of artists now that, that have been li- doing it, they're sober now. Yeah, that's <laughs> literally why I got sober because yep. I played a f- really fucking good set at Foundation, which at the time was one of the top ranked clubs in the world. Damn. Yeah. It like the DJ Mag top one hundred clubs. I think we were Word. I don't remember what number we are were. But I had a really good fucking set that night and your boy got a little too hammered schmammered. <laughs> <laughs> and And then I crashed my car. Oh no. Yep. Yep, I had a DUI. All that shit's taken care of though. All my fees are paid. Well, and I think like I think that's a really good lesson to be learned to be like, if you genuinely want to pursue this and this is something you really care about to take it seriously, like it's okay uh, to have a drink or whatever, do your thing. But I just think if you're always fucked up all the time when you go to play or like whatever else, like it's going to burn you out and you're going to lose some opportunities. Well, people don't seem to realize that like people talk and it's not just like, ravers talking shit about other ravers it's like companies talk to other companies and i have people in my dms asking me like hey this dude's from utah what's the deal with him yeah you have a people come to you for advice on a lot well even with uh us getting booked for the yard yato was saying how they don't just book random people but because you yeah vouched for logan and i he was willing to take that jump on us because you are held at that stand like you're on that pedestal for a good reason yeah i like i don't take what i have here lightly like i you you see me dicking around a lot on facebook but it's because i've positioned myself and done the work to be able to vouch for people 
Absolutely. And there have been times where like I've booked somebody out and they've gotten completely fucking shit faced and like caused fights at shows. And I'm just like, huh? Well, never again, I guess. Yeah. Then hmm. it's not just their name that they're tarnishing. It falls back on you and yep. the other people that did vouch for them. Yep. And, uh, that really plays a part in bookings. And maybe if you are somewhere, someone local out here and you're wondering why the fuck you're not getting booked for all these big things, maybe it's time to kind of take an inner look of like, well, fuck. <laughs> like, maybe don't play, uh, if you're opening for an artist, don't play their tracks. Uh, Yo. <laughs> that's, uh, you'd think that would go without saying, but like shit like that, don't do that. <laughs> don't get Don't get so fucked up that you are going to put yourself in a position where you completely destroy all credibility and rapport that you had built. That's why even like I had to take a really strong look at and ask myself if I was a promoter mm -hmm. or just a friend, would I vouch for myself to play a show? Yeah. And I had to be like, no. And that's why our work yeah. came into play for sure. I'm sh I'm sure that was probably the moment of like, well, fuck no, the day, after my yeah, the, the day after my DUI, I asked myself that and was like, all right, well, fuck it. I'm sober now. Got to get my shit together. Yeah. Word. And you don't, you don't have to be sober to be an artist. Like, we're not no, absolutely that, not. but just be mindful and be smart about it. And you have to remember you're representing both yourself and potentially other people. Yeah. And having that second thought of, huh, I've had a couple drinks already. I'm feeling pretty good. Maybe I don't need a third or a mm -hmm. fifth or whatever your tolerance level is can take you a lot further than you think it will in the moment. Yeah. I, I think a lot of people need to hear that. I really do. Well, do you have any la last parting thoughts before I share this video with, well, technically it's going to be audio for them, but share this with everybody. Yeah. Um, um, <laughs> get ready. <laughs> Yeah, if anybody has, like, questions or anything like that, or you're looking to get into the scene, or you're trying to get into music more, I am always an open book. I have a ton of fucking resources that I'm more than willing to, like, give out. Um, if you slide in my DMs with just a SoundCloud link without, like, talking to me first, I'm more than likely going to ignore you just because I get SoundCloud links all day from people yeah. I have no rapport from that... Well, and I think there's something to be said about that of like, if you're trying to like get yourself out there, like sharing your page or sharing your stuff with people, like sending just a simple message instead of just like sending a link and being done with it. Like, yeah, there's a every, difference. Every like out of state booking I've gotten so far is because I like am friends with these people. Yeah. Well, and that leads perfectly to the the video I'm going to play because it's ghastly. Um, his parting words of his Lost Land set in 2019. Um, his biggest thing, because he has a YouTube channel, kind of talks about stuff in the industry. And his biggest thing is because he came up with like Sullivan King and Jaws, like they all lived together in the slums and came up together. And the biggest thing with this community, and even I've noticed it, is genuine friendships not making connections just for the sake of the connection like I'm not I'm not friends with you because of what you can do for me oh I'm friends with you for what I can do for you <laughs> that is so different though than <laughs> yeah because that the thought of doing nice things helps me get off at night yeah but you do find people in this community that are trying to make connections just for sake of the connection and oh, what yeah. they can get and yep and like I've learned like at first I had a very hard time sussing those people out because I was just like these people want to be my friend? You Fuck so, yeah. Right? yeah. 
Yeah. But not everybody is your friend. No. And I think for anybody that is getting into music and is going to pursue this, that's something really important. Just be careful with who you trust with things. Like, focus on making genuine friendships, not just the connections, because especially when you're meeting big players in the game, whether it's locally or bigger than that, a lot of times people can tell when you just want the connection or when you want the genuine friendship. Yeah. And so... And you'll learn. Yeah, absolutely. You kind of have to, like, get hurt a few times before you realize, like... That would make sense. Yeah. And it fucking sucks, and I don't want anybody to go through that hurt, but the quicker you go through it, the quicker, or, like, the better off you'll be. Absolutely. And that's another reason I'm kind of grateful to have you as well, because, like, I think you can kind of help us divert that a little bit more. Yep. Because we can ask your opinion on things and be like, what do you think about this? Like, I know Haley's had to do that with some stuff. Yep. Um, And really (laughs) trying to see, like, is that the correct move? Do you think this person genuinely cares like if it's worth it to even put myself in this position so yeah this is this is a community genuinely based around friendship and and music plur remember peace love unity respect and and responsibility and at the end of the day it doesn't matter how big your crowd is it's about the friends that you make along the way oh we don't ever get just salt (laughs) oh I love that, too. Ollie, you can suck my dick. <laughs> Do you want to plug your socials one more time before I play this? Where oh can God. they find you? Uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at who the fuck is Vertex and the the, the fuck is TF. TF. Yeah. I so love who your handle. TF is who Vertex, the fuck is Vertex? And everywhere else is just Vertex Music. Perfect. And, and if you want to add me on Facebook, probably shoot me a message first just because. Let him know that you heard him on my podcast, yeah. maybe, just so he knows. Yeah. Um, Tim Zipperstein. Um, I will make sure I link his stuff as well in the description. Um, oh, wait. Before we get into this, you asked me to shout out some producer. Oh, wait. No, I did that. Just kidding. Did you shout out everybody you wanted to? No, but like I, if I, I could go on You're for like, like a I full fucking hour about this because like I'm lucky enough that I'm friends with a ton of amazing A lot music. of talented people. Yeah. Or a lot of really My DMs people. are fucking insane. Yeah. I, I well, and even just the people you've helped me discover o- over the past year, I'm just like, damn, man. So, yeah, definitely check out everybody we've talked about over these past couple hours. Um, I'm going to leave you guys with this parting note really quick. I want to make sure. Um, let's. So, this is Gasly. Again, anybody not in the community, highly recommend looking into Gasly. So. song i was like what the fuck (laughs) did he do an edit (laughs) i just thought that that was such an amazing ending because i remember i was at that set and i was going through such a hard time and that moment 
is why I go to these shows. That moment is why I do what I do. And you find so many amazing artists like that, that, yeah, we're not here for the clout. We're not here for the bullshit. We're here for genuine love of the music and the community and the people and the experiences. And honestly, if anybody ever wants to go to a rave and has never been to one, come hit me up. I'll pop your rave cherry in in a heartbeat. (laughs) it's wild because like the people that have clout half the time don't even realize they have clout really somebody called me a fucking og and i'm just like what do you mean i'm an og yeah like i no (laughs) i i feel feel like like, that's true i feel like i'm just getting like started word well and in ways you are and i'm excited (laughs) (laughs) i'm excited because we absolutely will have you back on again i'm excited to touch base with you down the road and have everybody kind of hear what we've been doing and updating everybody and i hope you guys enjoyed this a lot of music talk uh as i've said starting the podcast this isn't a niche podcast so we're gonna do a lot more music stuff too we're gonna have monsoon season on we're gonna get mother lotus on a um, lot of other artists. I got some artists that I'm going to recommend. Absolutely. Yeah, we're going to do a lot more of that. So with that being said, thank you guys so much for listening. Be sure to hit that follow button on Spotify and turn on those notifications so that you stay up to date on everything Sad Girl Hours. Um, we've had a lot of heavy topics recently on yeah, this. Yeah, I feel like this was a good like It was a break good from break that. up. Yeah, and even though, because these are pre-recorded episodes, even though... Um, the next two. This isn't going to Spotify right now? No, not at, no, not at this. Oh, I wouldn't have swore so much if I knew that. (laughs) Um, but by the time this does get out, we'll have covered a couple more heavier topics. So it's definitely a really, really nice break from that. So thank you guys so much for listening. Definitely go follow Tim Zipperstein Vertex. Please drink water. Dad, manager, homie, the fucking goat. Um, and remember you guys, oh, before we go, I've made this my new little thing and you're going to laugh at me, but you guys take some deep breaths with me before I finish out and get, get mindful. (laughs) We're going to do three deep breaths. Ready? guys are welcome for that (laughs) with that damn i got lightheaded doing that (laughs) with that you guys i'm glad we could give you some laughs i know i was laughing but remember stay safe drink your fucking water stay beautiful and remember that there is always another day bye guys